This podcast is made possible by the generosity of listeners and viewers like you. Kindly consider a contribution through Patreon or PayPal. Links are in the details box. Any amount is appreciated. And follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. The handle, The Beirut Banyan. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And to stay updated with video releases, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks for listening, and thanks for watching. I'm Rani Shatar, and this is The Beirut Banyan. The reason I asked you three to join is because this group is not geographic, it's not local, it's national. Munir, you're running in Tripoli as a candidate in Tripoli. Uh, Petra, you're running in Zahli. Rayan, you were running, but you're no longer running. So now you have sure. to leave the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no. Your reasons for running and then not running, I think, are equally interesting. And I think it's, it's an honor to have you join us because I'd like to learn as much as I can from your side, too. Let me start with maybe the most sensitive subject, not in terms of Lebanese politics, but in terms of list formation and how you saw this experience in each geography, in each, each district. Because I know that stubbornness is not always a bad thing. And I think, if I remember right, Shabin has referred to himself that way, too, that he was okay with that word. And I think that word is okay when the principles are sort of meeting a line and you don't cross that line. You hold your ground. But I want to understand it from your end. Why has it been such a difficult process to unify October 17 and how you see it? Not how your opponents see it, how you see it. And if I could, let me start with you, Munir, since your voice is priceless and I haven't let you talk yet. <laughs> so you have the floor. Thank you first for hosting us and yes, a difficult question you're asking because it comes with several, with a lot of preconceived ideas about how change should happen and about also, I'm going to say, romanticized views of events that have happened specifically mm. on October 17th and beyond. There were several events, I think, in in the past now seven years, is it? First, the garbage crisis. I'd like to call it the garbage intifada. 2015. 2015. 2015. Mm. Which also had, was romanticized by lots of people. Mm. And ended up with, I think, the most clear and visible. I mean... The, the the way the system operates was very visible at this moment. The political dimension of the crisis was that they did not agree on how to split to how to split the the money coming out of the garbage. It used to be a monopoly of one company, and then each sect wanted to have a part of it. And this is why the crisis happened. This is where I think this is where. I personally view politics. This is the political side. On the other side, there was the technical side, which is well, they don't know how to gather garbage. They don't know how to treat garbage. It's not true. Mm. There are all the time lots of experts. So this is the first time you see a difference in the way to approach this. October 17 in itself was perceived as immense, uh, an, an emancipatory moment. 
I used to say, and this is me talking, not even the view of the, the party, I used after a, a week, 10 days, whenever I used, I was speaking in front of people in, in back then, Azari, I was telling them, do you think all these people walking around remove the communitarian cloak that they, that they wear suddenly? Fellow protesters. Yes, yeah. exactly. Mm. But I was talking to people trying to have them see rea- to, to see the moment in, in the most real manner as possible. Mm. Instead of saying, oh, this is a moment where everything is going well, we fantastic things happened. We, we gathered in public spaces, we, we, we gained back public spaces, we gained back the political discourse. It was great from this perspective. But also the reality was, is we had to, for three or four days, we had to run from one place to the other because there were people with loud music, uh, loudspeakers, trying to interrupt any political discussion around the place. I I like that you're the first person I've spoken to when it comes to this issue that takes me back to pre-list formation issues. So you see the beginning of the list formation problem as something that emerged years before, that it's a gradual problem that just got worse over time. I was part of the negotiations in 2018. Ah, so the earlier election round, you felt it already? Yes. Okay. So what we tried to do in 2018, when the movement was still at its infancy, we were established in 2016, we were around 100 people Mm -hmm. at max. Whenever we used to meet, we couldn't gather more than 20 people in the room. What we tried to do, because we did not have the strength, and because we think we had learned, I think we had learned from exactly the 2015 crisis, but also the 2016 um, uh, elections. Mm. And effectively the fact that the great result that Beirut Madinati gained in these elections did not translate politically. This, these were lessons. So when we sat around the table, we sat with five groups back then. Mm. So the right part, the yeah. left part, yeah, yeah. the angry honest guys that today are running with Polaya Ubia in Beirut 1, so Ziad Habis and mm. Enko, with, um, uh, with um, the, the fourth party was with the people from Beirut Madinati that wanted to run and us, five players, right. yeah. sitting at a table because we thought that a certain trust had been built over time. And our idea was to do exactly what we did in these elections but without having the strengths alone. So starting with a coalition at start. And this would be what we would build the confrontation on. Okay. Because in 2018, our campaign was, our electoral, our, our communication campaign was that gas was going to reach 300,000 Lebanese pound a tank and bread was going to become at 10,000 Lebanese pounds a pound. At the time when we were talking about said. 11 billion dollars, 900,000 jobs. This is this was the context. We were coming and telling a different story. And because we knew we were getting to this point, the movement in 2016 was founded because we got here. First session we do as an organized movement is discuss public finance. I'm, I'm going to interrupt you yes. only to... You, you have that... I didn't know you were intimately involved in the 2018 uh, list formation. And I know that it was... a, At least my end, it was perceived to be an easier 
adjustment. I didn't know it was that complicated. If you fast forward to the last few months, was that in your mind when you were witnessing what was not going to happen? Meaning that there was going to be a lot of going it alone across the country. Was that already built in? That it was you were willing to negotiate less as a result of 2018? No, we as a movement did not negotiate any less. We mm. negotiated more mm. because what we did this time and maybe it will help explain what we did in 2018. Back then we had to do it with part with partners mm, yeah. and it did not work the way we wanted. Right. I think it would be interesting to discuss this. What we did this time is we said we are going to be the pillar. The program is going to be suggested to the Lebanese. Mm. But we are willing to remove every single candidate withdraw every single candidate if we are able to get unity around a program right not the program this is what we propose mm. then it can become something else yeah and this is why for example uh, my comrade here Ryan did not end up running I mean did, uh, left the uh, uh, stopped running it's not did not run she ran and then stopped and what, what we did is we were willing to make every sacrifice possible and we Every single one of our comrades was ready to interrupt. May, may I ask yeah. one more question? And I'll, I'll yes. maybe, I, because I, it's nice to hear it from you. Yeah. I, this is not the chance. I always hear it through the everyone else. Yes. It's the first time I've heard it from someone involved mm -hmm. intimately. Uh, I'm assuming that that was an unappealing uh, position from the other groups, that they must have felt that they were not going to take part in a way that made sense to them. And it, did you feel like this was just not going to work out from the beginning? No. Or did you sense that there were people willing to do this and... There were people willing to do it. Mm. We did not negotiate less because I told you, we were running in 15 districts. We wanted to organize in 15 districts. Mm. When you run in a single district, the amount of variables you have to deal with is limited. Right. And becomes actually easy to form a list in a district mm -hmm. comparatively mm -hmm. to trying to form a coherent coalition in 15 districts, meaning you cannot run in one place with someone, somebody and then run against this person in another one. Right, right. And then have all these parties agree on a single program, which is not, not, not only agree, because we never got to discussing the program, unfortunately. I mean, we sent a copy of, uh, of the program to, uh, to Polaya Obion. She's still reading it until now. Maybe after the elections, she'll decide whether it's an agreeable or not program. I'm kidding. But she still, basically, it's to say, we did not get what, a response. What if she is actually still reading it? <laughs> I hope it wasn't that long. <laughs> maybe she's going to get back to maybe, maybe she'll get back. That, that, that would be great. We're, we, again, the, the, election, the election is not the end of the world. I had to read the book carefully. <laughs> then, then I scheduled the episode. <laughs> the, 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 the election is not the end of the world. Yeah. We might meet again with these people mm. after. They might realize so that the approach... So it was program first, and then politics second. In other words, uh, you have to accept this as a way forward on a national level, and then you can get into the lesser sort of uh, yeah. more personality-driven stuff. If, if this is what you're calling politics, because for me, politics is a program. I, right, I don't yeah. see the, the other one is, is something else, which I don't know how to qualify. I, I appreciate it's, how you're yeah, describing yeah. it. That, so that, that was already in, your, in everyone's mind prior to even October 17, 
because I'm assuming that's something you take with you from 2018, and you're already waiting in a way for the next round, but it, maybe everyone is surprised by what happens after October 17. No. I'm going to tell you, because we don't see the elections as the segue to change. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We see election as a confrontation, a, a battleground yeah. with the system. So people that only see change through elections mm. will only organize when election happen. We are a party that is organized. And whenever we felt that election was going to happen, we debated. Mm. The debate was not easy. It was not, the, the decision to run was not an obvious one. Mm. The way we were going to run was not an obvious decision. We debated for very long months. Decisions were taken. The, 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 all the party convened at several occasions in order to discuss, debate, ask questions. Mm. And then the decision was taken and we reorganized accordingly. We, are, we don't, and, and elections, since it's not our only objective, when we decided to run, that's it, we go all in. Right. So people thought that because we did not think at a year before elections that it was going to be the battle coming, because for us, we saw the, the, the way the situation of people was going bad and worse yeah. and worse. And we wanted the confrontation to happen at any single point. We thought we could bring the confrontation to any battleground we could create as a movement. That was our objective. Right. This is why we have a campaign like Winston Duak, where we try to defend our, our, uh, we, we try to defend um, the uh, um, uh, the social security. Um, uh, how do you call them? Funds. The funds of, of professional orders, for example. I'm going to now. That's a nice. Yeah, segue that's a nice way. That's, that's the, the word yeah. that I needed to like. And yeah. then we. And then <laughs> no, no, absolutely. No, no, but I appreciate the in depth. The, see, something I noticed. There's an immediate in depth response from most members I've met in this party, in this group, in this cause. So I appreciate you taking me down this road. We'll, we'll go back to that. But Petra, could you give me some flavor, at least from your side? And I know, I, I appreciate that this is a national cause. I'm not trying to describe it differently. But these are three different districts, and I think they are different challenges by, by default, the way Lebanese politics is understood. These are different terrains, let's say. Uh, what was the Zahle process f like for you? And I'd also like to ask you, since I don't know much about you other than what you've said recently in politics, um, I don't know your wider story and what brought you here to begin with. So if you could share a bit of that as well, I I'd like to know what would take someone uh, in your shoes straight into the mess that is parliamentary elections. Okay, I'm going to start from there. I'm a member of uh, Muatinud since 2016. Mm. I had only graduated a couple of months before that. And um, yeah, politics was for me the terrain where we could really change anything in this country. So, um, and being an urban planner is really being a politician at the end because you have to make choices. But, uh, and I remember as a student, uh, when we used to propose projects, I used to think, I wish I had the power <laughs> to implement those yeah. because they never saw the light. So yeah, the answer was politics. So urban planning, you already felt the need to push that forward through politics. I've heard that from, I think, most Medinity members that mm -hmm. were urban planners. Um, and I've heard it from many academics that never saw their plans leave campus. So is there is AUB frustration built into your journey? 
I used to go to these architecture city debates, city city something. Yeah, ar- city yeah. <laughs> all these great ideas for Lebanon that never left that room. Yeah. And <laughs> but there's a nuance here because mm. if you think that the problem is technical, so you go with your plans to the municipality or the decision makers as a consultant, you're not going to go anywhere. Right. You see the difference? Right. It's not like they don't know how to do things. Mm. They don't uh, accept these projects because they touch on specific interests that are very connected to the system. Mm. And mm. in order to be able to implement anything, you need political will, not really the knowledge. In 2016, you joined a group that is not taking a local cause, like Beirut Medinati. I'm curious why, with your passion, you did not, you did not go more local. Because I'm guessing this is the frustration of being in Beirut, more than, the, um, or sorry, the urban planning ambition. For me, it feels like municipal elections is the way to pursue that. So, what took you to a larger cause? One interesting thing we did in 2016 and Moutinoun was run in the municipal elections with one program. Okay. So I, I don't see how people today are mm. surprised how we are running in parliamentary elections with one program. Because <laughs> we did so in the municipal elections. Oh, so 2016 <laughs> you were already in that world, in the yeah. municipal... Okay, yeah. right. I this see. is when Muatinun started. Mm, right. So uh, we had cand- we had a candidate in Zahli, in Sarbien, in uh, Tripoli, mm. uh, in several other towns on one political program. And understanding at the time the issue of the garbage crisis that right. Munir uh, was talking about clearly showed that the problem is beyond cities, beyond even urban planning issues at the local level. Mm. It was a national crisis, the garbage crisis, among other crises. And to, in order to be able to affect these interests that are very related to the system, you need to really touch on them mm. directly. And that is at the central level, not really local. Is your journey similar to Munir's in that 2016 and then later, really, 2018 elections is a learning curve for what you've, what you've set yourself out to do? Did you take those years with you? And does that have anything to do with the list formation in a, in a district like Zahli? I would put it in a broader context of the work we do within mm. the party because running uh, in elections is a byproduct of being a member in, in a political party. I mean, it's, as Munir said, it's one of the confrontation mm. arenas, but uh, we spend a lot of time developing public policies the, on, on water, on electricity, on urban planning, on, on the financial uh, schemes, understanding, the diagnosing. Uh, so we do that. And if you have a program and you consider yourself as a serious political party that wants change in this country, you don't stop there like, uh, and present yourself as an alternative mm. to request demands from the established system. No, we are saying this is what we will do if we are in power, if we were in power. I wonder if this is a built-in advantage that this group has and that it was already in politics. Because a lot of the 17th October uh, protesters turned politicians don't have the 2018 elections under their belt, or for that matter, the difficulties of you stink and making that activism turn to politics. So in a way, you have a few years extra to figure things out on your terms, which I think is, is unique. Medinati did start as well, but Medinati shrank 
as it went national. The list formation, was that a similar experience to Munir that it was going to be program first, and that is simply why there's not that more unified uh, experience in Zahli. Is it the same same story? Of course, of course. That's why uh, the program is one at the national level, and this is how we took it each to the district mm. uh, he or she is running to. And this what what, in my opinion, made the negotiations even easier, because right. we are clear on what we uh, want on how we want to do it, on how to fund it, which was a deal breaker right, with several yeah. groups. And uh, as Munir said, we rarely reached the point where we had to discuss the content of the program. <laughs> oh, meaning that <laughs> they were not interested? It's, it's not. They, they were... The considerations were different. The objective, the list formation did not include program for the other yeah. groups, uh, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to very role play very quickly the thing for you. Many of these groups were organizing at a local level, and I told you the complexities at a local level are very different from when you're trying to bring mm-hmm. 15 districts together. We would go in. I didn't take part in many negotiations. Some of them. First of all. The groups in the regions were very concerned because they had many candidates and they did not know how to select among them. So we told them it was very easy. You put down the program the program on the table and I can assure you that if you have 10 candidates and you need two, mm. you're lucky if you get two that agree on the program because in this country, the objective is not the program. It's not the politics. It is the position you're going to get in parliament. And that's something you saw as a defect that you'd want to correct it's by putting a, the program... It's, it's, it's not a defect. It's not, it, it, oh. Our approach is not related to how things are effectively done. We know how mm, things are done. Mm, but mm. how we would like things to be done effectively, right. which is we are at a moment of rupture. We yeah. are not at a normal moment in history. I've heard this word used by several members. Yes. And when Shabil joined the podcast, he made that he emphasized that word. We're going to get into that word because mm-hmm. I think that word needs to be explored more and what exactly it means. Sure. So I, I appreciate both of you giving me... what. I like that you're even in the district conversation. It's the program first, so I'm bit better understanding your politics to begin with, uh, Ryan. Okay. All right. Why do you disagree with these two people? And, uh, <laughs> why are you sitting next to me? And <laughs> no, what your your journey and as much as you'd like to say about the well, Munir already kind of talked about it. That mm. there's a reason why you're not running, but I think your heart was in it. And I think by trying to run, you wanted to be on the scene, but you took a decision to withdraw. And did I get it right? It was in Nabatee. Mm. Yeah, so maybe the process there, which I think is a little, there's more light shining on it for reasons we can get into later, Mm. but that it kind of stood out, as opposed to Zahli, which didn't get that much news. And Tripoli, I mean, got some news, some news. Tripoli, not as much either, but I think Nabatee was on the news more when it came to recent uh, recent politics, as much as you can say. Okay, so I'll start off by uh, my experience is much more limited than uh, Petra and Munir's experience. Uh, I joined in 2020 and I had mm. no idea, I was not in the political sphere per se before. Uh, I remember just before 2019, 17 October, I asked myself, uh, I really asked myself this question, which is very like, I, I sound like an idiot now. But I was like, why does the electricity have to cut for that long? So it was the first time I was being critical about the situation I'm living in. 
And this is 2020. That's 2019, honestly. J- just before 17 October, a couple, a couple mm. of months before. Hala, all through, I was always, I always felt that there was something abnormal, in a way. Uh, it affected my sense of existence, but I never thought it could be political because there was always this departure from politics, as if mm. it comes against ethics and morality. Yes. In a way. Um, so, as you said, we'll fast forward to uh, this elections. I don't have political aspirations per se. I'm not looking to become a politician or to to move this forward as a career. Mm. Uh, I'm interested in being part of the process of change at any time. So now it's this, maybe later there will be something else. So uh, what's the word? Like uh, uh, having a, a trashah? Run. Run. Running for elections yeah. in Nabatiya came in the sense that we have this program and uh, I have a role to play in this. So it wasn't, if I would go back to myself, I wouldn't have done it. I would never have done it on my own and uh, under my own political program. And I wouldn't have done it with any other group. Oh, I see. So you found yourself running with citizens in a state for that reason. Did I get that right? That you were not, uh, This it made sense to you because you wouldn't pursue this with your own convictions. You wanted to join a larger team that was matching yours. Uh, I wouldn't put it in this way. I would say I joined because this is one of the confrontation battles, per Mm. se, and I had a role to play in that. Uh, The role that I had to play was being there, saying that uh, we have candidates all all over Lebanon, and I'm there, and once someone agrees uh, to go on with our program, I'm willing to just uh, withdraw. So that was the reason you withdrew. Yeah. So could you take me a little, as much as you can to that moment where you realize the program is not meeting the list's, let's say, convictions? What, what was it like to push that ahead and then you realize it's not, uh, it's not working? In Nabati, it kind of worked because we have like almost uh, some of the members uh, agree so to, s- to something. Is that right? Uh, no, right? Oh, sorry, Nizar, yes, right, right. He's in Hasbaya Marjayun, and we're still working there, so I don't okay. have to be uh, running there to be working there. We're still, uh, we're still present there, and we're still. Mm. Because I lived there for a while as a, as a kid, I'm not from there. I'm not from Nabati, I'm not oh. from Jnoub. I am, like my parents are, but I, I was raised in Beirut. I have a lot of memories all over Lebanon. So I have very special memories in Jnoub as well, mm. with the people too, mm. back when I was in high school. So it's like special memories that I have, even with my, uh, my family. So these memories, if I was uh, running in the north, I would found or maybe have created new memories to link me to that part of, uh, yeah. of, of, the, of, the, of the land. So there's nothing special about me running in the Nabotiye. Uh, it's just the experience of uh, having to do that with a, with a bunch of people that all are seeing that uh, this is, I like that little smirk comes up. This is where you, you're choosing your words carefully. I can see it already. No, no, I, I, I sincerely... <laughs> <A lot> uh, <laughs> <laughs> I would say, no, it's really interesting that... Um, I always mispronounce his name. He's an author. His, his name is uh, Kurt Vonnegut. Oh, okay. Right? So he has this book called Cat Cradle, and then he describes something like a bunch of people that eventually meet, although there is nothing that connected them before, and they might not even know that, and they would work on a, they would have eventually a certain aim to fulfill, regardless of what aim, of what that aim is. Maybe I'm misunderstanding. You withdrew because the program was not going to be applied. No, because because in in Nabatiye, the program, or in the South, the third, the, the third district, yeah, yeah. Uh, the program 
some some people said, okay, we'll move forward with this program. Right. So I withdrew. But you withdrew for in favor of someone else? Yes. Why would that person take your spot? I guess that I'm trying to see why okay, you're so the one who withdraws. Okay, so we'd go back... Uh, uh, it is happened it based on nego- negotiations. Is it that no, not really. It, it was oh. based on negotiations. With other citizens in a state? No. Member. So we, we, we had a group. We had yeah. a, a list, citizens in a state. And then this list uh, had uh, Memphis members or Muawatinat members. She used it. I used it. It's easy. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, there's other lists from other groups that were also and there was one list maybe or two mm. i'm not sure in the Batiye, uh, and Jnoop, all in all uh, that we were able to negotiate with them and uh, like find uh, like a common ground perhaps if, if that's the right word but is it about is it that the person that took your place was more likely to win is that what it came down to not really because we said that that was our you know, that was the prerequisite I'm, my purpose. Oh, okay. purpose is for you to step back so that that all of us, maybe Munir, would have stepped back oh, if the I if see. the list was completed or Petra. So it was not Sorry, about I, me personally. Right, right. No, but wherever the ne- negotiations went forward. Right. So it's not it's not about you. It's okay, okay. Now, the, whole, the whole thing is not. That's what I was trying to say. Yeah, that yeah, yeah. It, It's right. really not about any one of us. The reason I I wanted to get as deep as I could is uh, maybe you know her, Verena Lamid. Mm. She was sitting here a few nights ago. Mm. Uh, we went into a very intimate journey of why she ran in Metin, mm. and it, it's a parallel story to yours. Mm. Uh, she grew up there. Mm. She's actually, I think, from the south, but she lived in Beirut her mm. whole life. She wanted to run in Beirut. She ended up running in Metin, and. Uh, she ended up joining a list where you have uh, citizens and estate members on it, mm. at least one official. Uh, and I liked hearing the similar path, but you're compromising for the sake of the group and the program, but you're still in the group too. It's not like you, you're not out of the cause. You're mm-hmm. still there. Yeah, I appreciate that. We're, yeah. we're not, I think there is one, one fundamental thing. None of us is running because we want to run as individuals. Right. None of us. Yeah. So yeah, this yeah. is very different from the story mm. you, you, you just told. We are together because we are carrying a program together. Mm. That's what bringing us together. Then do we decide to run in elections, not decide to run in elections? Right. Who gets to run? Who doesn't get to run? We didn't yeah. get a choice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we as individuals did not get a choice. We were told, you know, you are running in this district. Do you have something significant in order to just, you know, refuse the mission? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. the, the, the mission? Because right. we, we are organized this way. Your journey in trying to take your activism, which begins in 2016, before this becomes a cemented, let's say, alternative party, uh, in your earlier days, let's say, when you were on the streets, was there any conviction that protesting could turn things in, uh, could improve the situation and encourage reform? Before we get to rupture, the reason I'm asking it in this roundabout way, and maybe it's my own uh, preconceived notions, and we can even debate this, I still think the journey should begin with reform. And I know that most citizens and estate members and the majority of October 17th, it's not limited to one group, think that I sound like a dinosaur when I say that. Or dinosaurs maybe even a compliment at times, that, no, oh, I'm missing the whole story. I, see, I seem to subscribe still to these 
rectifying steps as opposed to this rupture that we talked about and we're going to get into. But in your early days, not now, 2016, did any of that resonate with you? Or were you convinced from the beginning that no, reform is not going to happen? You saw in a way ahead of October 17, you saw that the need is to really replace this whole thing once and for all. Maybe Petra, I can start with you. Is, and I, I know we're going back in time here, but why, why rupture seems to be the word rather than reform and how you saw it at the beginning. Okay. I'll try to answer this in the most structured manner. Uh, the party was established because the crisis was coming. Mm. So it's not that post-October 17, we started to develop a way to yeah. change the system. So this being said, uh, every moment since 2016, we try to uh, affect things in the country in a way that would make us avoid the collapse. Uh, for example, um, in 2018, we sent official letters to key people in the decision-making arena in the country and for foreign countries or ambassadors to uh, tell them that the crisis is coming, it's going to be very dangerous in the country. Someone has to shift the gear now. We got no response. Everyone thought that we would amend this with, with some more funds coming, said, or... So is this referring to the 2018 uh, position paper? that was published alongside the book. I read a position paper pre-October 17 that said exactly that. It was the same. It's the same time. Time frame. Yeah, yeah. Okay. October, November, right. October. 2018. Yeah. Uh, and had someone shifted the gear back then, maybe we could have talked about reform, but mm, mm, I doubt. Mm. All the time we lost since then is very precious in a way that Thousands of people left the country. The port exploded. Yeah. Uh, we have lost a lot of resources since, since then. Money, people, uh, hope, yeah. even. So uh, now we have passed the point of no return. I don't think that reform is possible because the crisis is deep, is deep enough uh, not to be amended in simple stitches. And that was, that was within you already prior to October 17, the conviction that reform is obsolete. Because I'm, I'm wondering why, uh, I'm, I'm trying to understand the temptation to go all the way at the beginning of your political journey, rather than yeah. the more, maybe the more, I don't know if comfortable is the right word, but the more, well, it is an easier road, the path of reform, when it comes to at least uh, trying to explain, I guess, rather than... I'm really trying to understand the, the deep belief that it's time to overhaul the whole thing. Is, and whether or not that starts at the beginning or if it's just an accumulation. Okay. So maybe now I have to go back to the 1997. <laughs> 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 okay. I wasn't uh, expecting that. That's nice. Okay. <laughs> what the hell happened in 1997? <laughs> it's the first time the country decided to start... Uh, uh, Borrowing. Borrowing in, oh, in foreign oh, oh, currencies. Right, okay, yes. So, uh, what I was trying to say is that uh, diagnosing the problem mm. in a correct manner mm. would automatically lead you to a change of system 
dialogue or, or suggestion. In 1997, uh, we the government uh, at the time decided to start borrowing in foreign currency because uh, it was the first time that the established economic and political system started... Yeah, uh, um, Wobbly. Started shaking, basically. The foundations of the system started shaking. So at the time, someone could have said, uh, this is dangerous, we don't have to do so. We can reform in doing one, two, three, uh, trying to invest in some productive sectors mm. uh, instead of uh, taking the opposite path, which is borrowing in foreign currencies, uh, stopping any investment in the public sectors, any employment in the public sector, freezing wages, uh, etc. So in 1997, there was an option to reform. It wasn't taken. Mm. Same in 2011, 2013, 2016, when the financial engineering schemes were done. So at every time or moment in the recent history, someone could have changed or reformed. It didn't happen until it dragged 30 years with deeper losses and we lost any chance to reform because we had our chances to reform. Now it's too late. So your journey into politics had that already? that you saw that there were earlier attempts prior to your own engagement and you took that as lessons learned in a way that that's been tried already, it doesn't work. We have to try something else. These are the perks of being a member of mm. a political party yeah. because we're not trying to build personal uh, careers, as Ryan said, in politics yeah. or uh, a credit that we would uh, sell in the elections so we get right. back votes. It's, uh, whole political engagement as a party, mm -hmm. as an organized party, uh, because we need the agility and the situation is dangerous to a point that you need organized bodies mm -hmm. to deal with it. I appreciate what you're, what you're saying because I, I, I know it's well understood and you've said it in different ways that this is not about individuals, but it's also nice to hear why the conviction is so deep that this is a failed system and i appreciate there's you're, you're looking back in time without your own politics you're not there but you seem to understand things in a way that makes sense for rupture as opposed to reform so i'm, I'm going to get deeper into that but rayan mm. you said something that means a lot to me in 2019 mm. you realize there's no electricity <laughs> where were you before <laughs> Generators were working fine. <laughs> I was living in, uh, in Beirut. Hey, where in Beirut? I should have lived uh, next to you. It's close to here. so. have you got a But like, I don't have a motor. You never really, uh, you never really suffered from that. So you're referring to the three-hour cutouts that we used to. And there was a motor yeah. as well. And yeah, yeah. my point is, uh, uh, I, I realized it was dark, but the point was, you uh, know, I never thought critically <laughs> about why things yeah. are the way right. they okay. are. So from adjusting to an abnormal situation, which is mm. what we all do every mm. day in this country, to waking up in a way politically and saying this is wrong mm. and you want to make it right. Uh, did that, let me say it very carefully, that conviction mm. or that uh, deeply held conviction, is that what drew you to maybe join this movement? Because I appreciate 
I appreciate the building blocks to political maturity. And it feels like maybe yours is fast. Yours is almost head on. That I see a problem and I need the system to change for this problem to get fixed. Rather than a more gradual mm. approach to it. I think uh, since you become conscious as a, as a child, you, you start seeing these contradictions in everything. Mm. Uh, and then you end up noticing that it's all political. Uh, and if you're, if you're looking to be part of any change and looking to really uh, push things forward in a, in a sense, alone, you alone, it, it could be very limited and very frustrating. And I could not have all the knowledge especially with my experience and age, and I might not always have all the knowledge. So I would say I would take it back to back when I was um, a child and I felt uh, I didn't have control of certain situations in one way. And that maybe pushed me to reassess what are the rules that society has built that I would want to project them. It wasn't easy. You don't mm. always reach this conclusion. You sometimes fall back into... Uh, what the people are saying, uh, what, uh, what the, uh, how would I put that, uh, the, the the dominant culture, yeah, or things that you've been, uh, you took from your parents as to be true, and to be very correct, and then you discover that. I'm hearing hints of this almost anthropology explanation for things as well, because uh, you mentioned even the word society. Yes, and not uh, not system only. That this is a societal yeah. uh, lens, let's say, of the mm. problem. I, I'm I'm just pushing one step further here. Mm. Why not simply join one of the other movements that are propping up? Because you you mentioned 2020. Mm. That's post October 17. And post the port explosion. Post port last, and there's dozens of groups that you can find yourself with. You go to a group that is already well structured with a program. And it has its own sort of path forward. What takes you there as opposed to one of the smaller, one of the maybe less mm. known, and maybe one of the more reformist-minded mm. uh, groups? Uh, when I joined, I did not have, I didn't really, I remember like what, uh, being in one of the meetings and they were like talking about really big topics. And I, I remember like not understanding a word. That was one of my first meetings. Like, these are new concepts for me. <laughs> these are very You're new like, concepts for that's me. That's my group. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I got nervous. <laughs> so they were too complex for me to understand, which, uh, which really shows that certain uh, limitations, how we think, and these limitations are being broken yeah. at every single um, turn. Uh, I knew that I knew I knew us back then. It was them in 2018. So I was looking to elect. Oh, I see. You, yeah. the, the, they were familiar already. Yes. Okay. Right. And every time they kind of uh, they spoke lo spoke logically, mm. and that was very rare in our in our world, not even society. And mm. it was beyond just. A democratic appeal you know there's a democratic lifestyle that you i'll ask you each <laughs> in, a, in a maybe in a fairly quick way i'm going to guess just by age i know munir you're my age but all of us i'm thinking have either parents or grandparents that were politically involved in different ways maybe not visibly but mm. they had their leanings did that in any way make you want to be less involved with already household names that you wanted to join something new? Was there any built-in dissatisfaction with maybe looking at parents or grandparents and their frustrations? Maybe I can just ask you, Munir, is any of that 
why you're in this group? No, because like everybody in like everybody in Lebanon, each one of us had an opinion. Used to belong to a group. Mm. Used to belong to a sect. And it is only after I joined, and my my journey was I joined by mistake. So you didn't understand what they were saying. You were there by accident. <laughs> no, no, That's it, is, it is. I'm, I'm the only yeah, person I, who read the proposal. I, I persevered. <laughs> you actually read the program. You're like, wait a minute. No, no, it's, it, you, you, I'm saying by I'm saying by mistake. It's I'm saying you have to jokingly, but in reality, it is only after a while that you reflect on. And I told you a bit before the, mm. the episode started on the journey of the people who preceded you yeah and where they succeeded where they failed where they got defeated because our families most of the people in lebanon which didn't have the privilege of being in places of power whenever big decisions were taken actually got defeated by the system oh i see so that that's already in your mind when you're joining this group you know it is something that i developed with time i tried to understand yeah i tried i tried also to put my personal political path in the continuation of the past not i said not in the continuation of the passes before but trying to understand what went wrong yeah okay um I, I could I could have been in certain cases critical of the involvement of certain people in my family in politics. Sometimes, sometimes very close people. I'm I'm a management consultant. I'm like Petra. But uh, sorry yeah. to interrupt you. Only yeah. just uh, uh, your journey. Is there anything from the in your private past, not not private uh, family, let's say, or relatives or baggage behind you that you want to just throw away? Not really. I didn't feel there is a load I was carrying mm. from my family, especially that in the extended family you have contradicting belongings right. in the political yeah. parties. So there was no one load that right. really weighed on me. But what's interesting in within the journey with in Muatinun, you get to understand in a throwback manner things that we used to uh, assist uh, as, right. as, as kids in the family discussions, even uh, events in the history mm. of Lebanon or the way we lived. Uh, so you better reflect on your own life by joining this group in a way. Yeah, and, and a flashback. A flashback. Thank you for letting me even uh, press you a bit on your personal path because that's something that's, I don't think, widely understood in terms of the persuasion to join this group as opposed to other groups. Now, we're, we're going to get into a lot of difficult terrain here. Mm -hmm. And I think this is why I wanted to do this, is to unpack something which I, I don't get the chance to unless I do it with you. Um, with Sherbil, it was a very, uh, it was a very, almost like a historic journey. And it took us time, but we got exactly to the place I think we needed to get to, and, and we both shined in a way. Uh, I'd like us all to shine, so this is not confrontational. Um, I fundamentally disagree with your analysis. Wait, 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 wait. Then you can shout uh, at me. Hold on, no, I, I know this. <laughs> yeah, I know okay, this. Okay. I've, I've listened to you <laughs> quite several times. Mm. And because I, I, I think the, the, the rupture logic... Let, let me, let me, yeah. let me uh, frame yeah. it in a way that is... Because I thought through this carefully. Since we agreed to do this, I was thinking, how could I best present my case and then try to best 
understand the mm -hmm. other side. Mm -hmm. And I think actually it's 80% agreement, 20% disagreement. But the twenty percent, yeah, it's not bad. But the twenty percent is so disagreed on. You're like you're, you're like everybody that sat and negotiated with us on the program, saying without reading reading it, if we agree eighty percent with you, will you run against us? If you don't, we're not together in terms of carrying the program. Program, yes, we'll run against each other. So, right. Wait, wait. Sorry, I missed that. I missed that. Sorry. Eighty percent is not good enough. It's not. It's not. Eighty percent is not good no, enough. No, I know. It's, I know. It's, yeah, it's, it's you. The, the, you, you discuss the you discuss the program, okay? If you get to eighty percent agreement, okay, then you see what are the twenty percent remaining, oh, and oh, then sorry, and, yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. And, and then and then you resolve the thing. So uh, let, let me yeah. try to frame it, and then I'll take you on a journey with me, and we'll get out of the tunnel together alive. <laughs> All of us will do this. Um, I took the time to read uh, the position paper from two thousand eighteen. Mm -hmm. I think it was November actually, um, and then I read the later position paper post October 17 um, and I read the book so I, mm -hmm. I did I thought I wanted to do my homework before speaking to Sherpet but I think it also it's the homework I should do to speak to you too because you're talking about the program and that is the program the book is in itself a program um, I'm in no position to disagree with an astute scholar like Sherpet and I know he's a he's a talented uh, authority on most so social anthropological examinations when it comes to everything that went wrong. And I think it's hard for me to even really disagree with his fundamental analysis on the long-term systemic problems, because I don't think there is much to disagree on. And that's where the 80% comes naturally. And I think he, anyone that wants to recover from this disaster uh, needs to have a program. You can't just use slogans. And the highway is full of slogans that I don't trust. And actually, a lot of these, a lot of these slogans, I think sometimes they say the right thing and then have nothing to add to it. So there's no policy to back the slogan. I think you guys have the policy to back the program. It's in that world that I find myself tripping and falling and then wondering what the hell am I thinking that is so uh, different than what this whole group is fighting for. And I realize what it is. It's that you're very quick, Petra, to reference and key important dates on the economic uh, pitfalls of, of this country. Uh, Munir, I've heard you talk about many different issues going all the way to Lebanese and the Gulf and the economic complications that come with that. Rayan, I've never heard you. <laughs> but I was I, waiting for that. Yeah. But I, you know, I'm hearing you now. Uh, I think there's a, there's a, hmm, there's a, section of our journey in this country that is not attached to what happened now let me carefully explain myself and then we can you can each punch me as much as you want um Sherbet is careful not Sherbet, sorry the program the book the manual it's careful to point at the syrian disorder that affected all of us post 1990 meaning the intrusion into local affairs by an external regime and the book does does address that does address that but it addresses it almost in an only economics way there isn't in my mind enough political narrative to suggest that this caused a perversion of our politics and it made the system rotten i'll attach to that i am in no way going to suggest like many do that citizens in a state does not talk about Hezbollah. They do. 
You do. Actually, I think you talk about it more than other groups do at times. I'm just not buying the way out of that mess. So so these are two different things that I maybe that's 10 out of the 20% that I can't relate to. The other 10%, which I think is fundamental, it's that economics and sectarianism and even power sharing that's old and inefficient and this odd way that communities gather in this country and find consensus, which is almost, um, it's Ottoman, not 2022, has nothing to do with what caused a thing like the port blast. And that section of the conversation is left out completely. Now, I know the other side, which is really what the program is all about, is not to emphasize those details, but to emphasize getting rid of the system altogether. And then you can fix all of those other problems. I don't think that's true. And I'll say one more thing. I don't think, and this has been eloquently explained, not just by, not just by Shab and Nahas, but by many, many citizens in the state, Hezbollah is not a byproduct of a system. Hezbollah has nothing to do with our very weird way of governing, our old communities that found themselves living together in the 1940s for the first time in an independent state. It has nothing to do with that. These are not byproducts of a system. This is an imposed disorder that makes any system rotten. Now, that's my premise. I'll ask you guys each, one by one, why you think I'm wrong if you do and where I'm seeing things wrong, maybe for the first time in Lebanese history, we can actually find out exactly what's going on and why this rupture <laughs> within October 17 seems to be sort of like a, a, a what is that thing that happens after an earthquake? Um, slide, slide, yeah, slide. Uh, what are those, that tectonic plates? Yeah. Yeah. Just <laughs> suddenly you get a, an ocean rather than a, a little valley. So if I could, Munir, since I like your voice, <laughs> <laughs> and since I know that you're ready, <laughs> and, and if you could, and I'll ask you each in different ways, but I'd like to hear it really in an honest way. What what I'm saying that doesn't resonate? Remove citizens in the state or Muatinun and its program out of the picture, and look at how things are effectively evolving. Mm. What are we moving towards? How do you see the future of this country evolving? If we're not here discussing politics, if we're not here discussing what alternative system and whether it's a rupture or not, what is it evolving into? Is, am I allowed to... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You're seeing 52 years of a country that has no control over its destiny. You're talking in the past. I'm talking about 2022 is the culmination of 1970 all the way through. No, I'm asking, we are here today. Oh, let's look yeah. forward. We're entering a, a situation where the state and the system have completely collapsed, not because of the system. No. We we're going to agree and dis or disagree on yes. this. But we're, le we're, re we're leading towards uh, a, a very, a very terrible tragedy where where Iranian dominion leaves Lebanon as something that doesn't look any longer like Lebanon. Okay. I'm going to give you some numbers maybe in the past later, but for me, I really don't see it this way. I know, and that's... Yeah. I'm, going, I'm yeah. going to tell you. 
And when you run and you get to walk I around, I would be so happy if I was like, if you just said, and I see it your way. <laughs> <laughs> Cut the episode. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. We did it. <laughs> I I, I went with one of our comrades who's a, the candidate of Zgharta, which is right next to Tripoli and got cut off out of Tripoli because of sectarian considerations. So I went with him in his home village of Erde in Zgharta. And we went door to door, every single house in mm. the village. Yeah. We knocked the door, talked to people, distributed the program. The average age in the village of Erdi, which is the second village in terms of size in the district of Zgharta, the average age is going to be nice, 55 to 60. Yeah, sounds right. Yeah. Some very old people also. Some people who are probably have five, ten years to live. And then afterwards, their houses will be closed. There will be nobody left. Another story. I walked down on the Corniche in Elmina, distributing also flyers mm. for the program. More than half of the people I come across are not Lebanese. Another story. A school uh, principal, I ask him, how are you surviving the crisis? He tells me, the Wa'af, had to sell a piece of land mm. in order for us to pay salaries. I said, if the school needs any maintenance, said, no money for this. If a computer goes bust, we put it aside, we can't replace it. I am seeing this society being fundamentally transformed. Forget about the reasons why, etc. Mm. This is the reality we're living. Yeah. Society being fundamentally transformed people leaving, and this has been an ongoing feature yes. since the civil war until now. So you could say Hezbollah, but I think everybody's responsible for certain parts. I see a society getting older to a point where we will see complete villages being abandoned. Yeah. I see a replacement by people that were let in at the time where both all parties were ruling talking about the Syrians, which I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid about the numbers. Uh, demographic change, if you have a state, it manages demographic state. What I'm concerned about is a demographic change happening without having a state to yeah. actually control. If we had a state, we wouldn't have that many Chris uh, sorry, um, uh, Syrians in the country. That was a Freudian slip. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe we have too many of us, of me. Um, uh, but you're you're actually correct, and even Shabin has said it himself that we don't we we're blind, when we don't see that half the country, and we just look the other way, and that's I I mean everything you're describing is reality. So I appreciate your yeah. reality, yeah. yeah. But what I would like to just add is that that's the reality. I think that's the eighty percent. Let, let me just add to the yeah. because sure. I think it's yeah. it's super important that also I'm seeing people, and I didn't add one story. People selling everything they own because they need to get medication because yeah. they need to get into hospitals selling houses for pennies on the dollar yes or cents on the dollar this is what is effectively happening a change a, 
a seismic change this size. If you think that any structure in this country can survive this, including Hezbollah, mm. I think there is a big mistake. It's just let me finish. Sure. The the communitarian system, they need each other in order to survive. When there is something that comes from the outside and disrupts the way things yeah. are being disrupted in Lebanon, yeah. you can't foresee you, you can't imagine that structures will remain the same. And one of the things, as part of rupture, when we talk about rupture, and this is something that I, I care a lot about, our aim is actually to protect institutions. Right, yeah. Institutions are things that are built by a society over tens of years, some of them hundreds of years. Look at here, we're overseeing AUB from your apartment almost <laughs> part of it part of it yeah <laughs> this is an institution which is now what 150 60 mm -hmm. years old yeah this is an institution that with the crisis that is happening has is relocating into to cyprus yeah. and to dubai this is a fundamental destruction of an this is a destruction of an institution which has been here for tens of years and we're very proud about it there are schools we're proud about. There are hospitals we're proud about. Yeah. This is what is happening. And including institutions such as political party today are at risk, including Hezbollah. Because Hezbollah, mm. without when the people that constituted Hezbollah are not here anymore. Just because it's important to look. I like to look mm -hmm. in the future now. Yeah. Because then we can go and fight on whose responsibility it is. But it's important... It's, it's important for everybody to know where we're going. We're not going to a place where there is a force that is, that is dominating in this country. Hezbollah will be, in 15 years, the size of what we perceive, for example, today, uh, the, 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 uh, the Socialist Party of Walid Jumblat being. They will be 4 or 5% of society. Society will be completely different. First of all, we need to tell to all these people this is what is going to happen. It's not because we are trying to assign blame to what happened. Mm. Today, your institutions, the same way the institutions I'm proud about, some of them I graduate, graduated from, these are about to disappear. Your institutions, which you're proud about, are also about to disappear. I'll, I'll take it to you, Petra, but I'd, I'll only, maybe it's, I can ask you this and... I'll try to build on your projection to the future, which I appreciate. And I think, again, it's it's the way, it's the reality I don't think is, I don't think there's anything to disagree with on our reality. So that's, I think, maybe it's more than 80%, actually. There's a component within our reality that's not emphasized enough, at least the way I see it. And I know that, that again, it's the ocean between, it's not Hezbollah, a party in Lebanon that I care about. They are going to, they are already bearing the burden like any other party in Lebanon. So that's, I think that's true. As you know, that is true. That is true. It's the security disorder that has impacted this country, that, ha that goes beyond politics the way we understand it. It's not a local problem or even a national problem. It's a regional burden on Lebanon. And the reason I'm going in that direction is because I share with you the very bleak future that's in front of us. I don't see the security disorder fading. What I see instead 
is a state that we grew up in, even if it's an unpopular one, uh, even if it's one that we, I think all of us would have wanted to at least improve, forget rupture, just at least govern to begin with. It never even met that task. I don't blame the system for taking us here. And the reason I even brought up the Port Blast, which is more recent, is because that kind of problem is with us, with or without sectarianism or a civil state or a rupture turned into a alternative model. That security problem is not part of the program. No. It's not addressed. No. And, and Sorry, sorry. Yeah. There's, there, I'll add one more thing. Sorry. I know no one is shy of talking about Hezbollah in Lebanon. Everyone's talking about this group all the time. I think it's the only group that everyone talks about all the time. And I will never say that this group is shy. It's just that it's a, it's a giant section of our problem impacting the future that is put on as part of the system rather than a burden on us. No, no. What, what you're, I think what you're missing from what I'm trying to say is yes. the following. What, what, the reason why I was trying to project myself in the future we all graduated from AUB, what a nice coincidence, right? The podcast is a familiar name. You guys even asked me, why is the... And I was like, did you go to AUB? It's the tree! I only did my master's there, so probably... It, it's fine. And I named the podcast after. And a That's even worse. Sorry. You're adopted. <laughs> you too. <laughs> Rayan in 2020 realized there's a tree. Barman, <laughs> title <laughs> She's like, what is that tree? Citizens in a state. <laughs> and I want to give some time to Petra. Yeah, no, yeah, 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 okay. But, yeah, yeah. but I just want to add because yeah. I, I really care about this because we, 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 we too much look back and I, it's important to look back to understand. We could even disagree on this, but even I'm not talking to you. I'm not talking to her. I'm yeah. not talking. I'm not. Talk, I'm talking to not talking to Hezbollah. I'm talking to everybody in sure. this country. Yeah. If this institution, which I graduated from, I'm proud about, and I'm seeing it disappear. The armed movement that Hezbollah built for certain people in this country is an achievement in itself, and they're very proud of it. And it's an institution. At the same time, this institution, this same institution I'm talking about, is risking disappearance. Okay, in the future. And I'm going to be, and, and for me, the, what was built at AUB, what our society built, because this is the accumulation over years, is something I don't want to lose because this is part of my society because I don't look myself as part of a group anymore. Mm. I look myself as a citizen. And today I see people have developed, you might say for good reasons, bad reasons, military capabilities. And this group, Okay, and this, these people who have developed these capabilities also are at risk of disappearing and I'm going to lose the capabilities I developed in the educational sector, the capabilities I have developed in the in, 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 in armed struggle, the capabilities I have developed in the media sector because this is all what we're losing and they are going to lose it too. And if I am today able to convince everybody of us, yeah. starting with the things they care about, yeah. You care about certain things. They care about some other things. It's not that, Munir. But, yeah, no, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm, yeah, but let me just yeah. finish. If you're, I, you're good at that, yeah, by the if, way. If, well, <laughs> I try. 
No, because it's, it's it, this this thing is very serious. Our I lives are at stake. Our lives are yes. at stake. We, we're not taking. We're not doing politics. When we do politics, we are extremely concerned about the life of everybody in this country. We feel responsible for everybody in this country, including Hassan Nasrallah. Okay. Let me say it very clearly, so, so that the, the Hezbollah guys that hear me say this go crazy on me tomorrow on YouTube whenever whenever we cut the sequence and I put it specifically online and I say I'm responsible for Hassan Nasrallah. I am responsible for every single one of you. I am looking at building a state in this country. Let me continue. Just let me finish. I'm sorry. You say you didn't have confrontation. I'm going to be a bit confrontational. I am here to save every single... <laughs> I think he never did this on, the f on film. We are here to preserve everything that has been built because everything today is going to be destroyed. That's what we're going to do. And we are here to convince the people some people of us were part of Hezbollah. Some people of us were part of Amal. Some people of us were part of the CPL. Some people of us were part of the Uwait. We are coming from every single group in this country. And we're saying everything that you have built, every drop of blood that, was that, 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 that you shed in this country, okay, is going to be a sacrifice gone for nothing because we're losing everything in this society. And final point, we are trying, this is what we're trying to preserve under a state which looks, deals with us, which governs us, and we are ready to take responsibility for this. It, this is very different from everything you hear. It's not us or them. No, I understand. It is all of us, and so, we're all of us seeing our future destroyed together. I agree with you, and I'm going to mm -hmm. let you talk that yeah. but I'll just say something. The reason I did that uncomfortable journey to the past, yeah. which I know doesn't appeal. No, no, I'm, ha I'm happy to discuss about it, but... Uh, no, no, it doesn't appeal to me in most conversations yeah. either, because I do like you. Mm -hmm. Like, I think anyone with the right intention wants to fix and, and move on rather than keep going back and assigning blame. I completely agree with you. But I need to emphasize one thing. The only reason I go back in this very awkward journey that we've been on in this country, this very painful, tragic circumstance, mm -hmm. is because... I think, this is my opinion, I could be wrong, 1970 is the last time we had a state that we could actually govern. And 1970 is the cutoff. There's a problem that stems from 1970 until right now, in this very minute, that is with us today. That does not seem to be in the conversation. It's something that would kill any system, good or bad. It takes any society to help. It even makes Lebanon, which survived. Lebanon survived. You, you and all the, the four of us went to AUB, not in the 1960s. We're in the same generation, all of us. Well, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Munir and I are in the same generation. I Petra's uh, facial expressions. Okay. <laughs> um, hmm. <laughs> Give or take 30 years. <laughs> But we grew up, we know AUB not in its glory years. And I love that you're referencing AUB. That's my, you know, your love for AUB is my love for Lebanon. I completely agree. I love Ras Beirut for the reasons you're describing. Individual citizens that can feel the way they want to feel and their communities don't matter that much. I think that's what your, your sentiment, I think, is that. I feel the same way. What I see is a society going to hell and tragically doing so beyond 2022 for the reasons that are not discussed. 1970 is the beginning of the end, not the part that we should just skip over because it's too inconvenient. No, 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 yeah. no but that's my yeah. point. And, and when I say Hezbollah, 
and I think most of us agree on this, it's not about individuals or communities or members. It's not even about the party. It's about a security imposition on Lebanon. The Syrian disorder got worse when the Syrians left. Didn't get better. And it's best explained by Iran's needs in Lebanon that turns our politics into a complete disaster. But, Petra, I'll let you add whatever you want. And please, feel free to be even more dynamic than Munir. By the way, I like that. I like, no, no, I like, uh, uh, I like a bit of friction. It's nice. So I appreciate you being dynamic. Because, because we, can, we, can, we have the same concern. But I'll, I'll let Petra interject. Yeah. And you can, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm too kind, though. <laughs> okay, screw you. Uh, Back to me. No feminist jokes. My main issue is with the way you are framing your question, not even with the content of the question because mm. okay we set aside 80% of what the book or our program proposes and you took the 20% that you just presented on the side trying to look back and on the history on the recent history of Lebanon in order to come out with a certain diagnosis of who did what or assigning blame or whatever. no 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 trying to fix the one thing that we did not fix and I want that to be part of the program that's the thing it's not about assigning blame I don't blame Lebanese for siding or fighting any disorder I think that's the consequence of the disorder so there's no 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 local blame it's the problem of what we lost in 1970 what did we lose hmm. in 1970? the word that is the least understood in Lebanon the state we but lost, but, 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 but we did not. We did not lose it in 1970. Wait, 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 wait. Not, not. Okay. So, uh, hmm. the state, not, not that thing. More that what the state could do. It stopped doing in 1969. It effectively assumed no capability of preventing the collapse of the country, and we're still in that. 1970 is not about. Um, it's not the fact that Fatah is in Lebanon. It's that the Lebanese state cannot do anything about it. The Lebanese state, the way I would want it to operate, is to actually fix the system from within without that imposed problem on the system. And I think of the Syrian rule in Lebanon as not just an occupation. It's three decades of political paralysis where even some few actors that came and went along the way, once they changed course a bit, they were eliminated. I'm, I'm looking at it this way. It's not about Lebanese forces versus Tayyar or Hezbollah wa Amal in the 80s or whether Hariri's economic governance was good or bad. It's not about that. It's why all of these ambitions to fix the country failed. And that's why any noble cause today I think if their intention is the right one, that wall is still there. And I think in that area is where the uh, doubt comes in. And I think doubt, maybe that's not the right word, there's a lot of skepticism 
of why one group that is shining in the opposition, which is citizens in a state, is not going down the more confrontational road when it comes to sovereignty. But, but look, I'm going to let Petra. No, sorry, sorry, because I have to let Petra. I have one thing. You went down quite far in history. And I would argue, and we would argue, that the state did not disappear in the 70s. It was before that. Well, the, the, let me, just okay. one thing. Yeah. There was an attempt at building a state in 58, 59, during the, during the uh, Fuhaj hit period. Mm. Who turned against this? It's not Hezbollah. It's not Amal. It's not Uwait. It is not Tayyar. Back then, it was other movements that are still in place today. You had Kate'ib, you had the National Bloc. These were the people that turned against the state. You will see the, re the responsibility is going to be gathered by certain people at different points in time. What I'll, I'll say yeah. something and I'll let Petra. Uh, yes, Kate'ib was uh, politically uh, not willing to fully embrace the Shehab years, Kateh becomes one of the ugliest parts of Lebanese history in the 1970s. That's my point, is that these, even the groups that did not do the right thing always, end up becoming vicious forms of what they were when all hell breaks loose. But that's not because Lebanese do that naturally, given their system. It's because of a disorder in this country Anyway, anyway, I'll let Petra explain why I'm wrong. <laughs> I have the impression that the way we are analyzing our history since 1970 or even before is a little bit mechanic. And I say mechanic to, to, to really, uh, to, I mean that we're not giving enough uh, effort to understand the social history of the country. Mm. Because when we speak of a system, we're talking about a system and forces coming in and out and affecting it. We need, when we read our history, and I came to be interested in, 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 in the Lebanese history recently, and it's very uh, I mean, mind-blowing <laughs> to see what, what happened, even since the 1860, not, not even 1970. I think we need to read uh, history very carefully, understand who are the social actors, who did really affect how things changed or not, um, what were the political um, conditions in the region, because uh, I mean the, the, the Lebanon we know today is recent. So, um, So what I'm trying to say is Looking at history means specifically understanding the social orders, how they changed, what were the people doing, what were the elites doing, whether from the Kataib or other parties, why did they take these decisions, what was the influence of the external powers, so you could understand history in a more or less linear way and less mechanic way. And in this sense, uh, not mix the cause and effects of things, not, uh, not take things uh, at face value and be able to go deep into the reasons, the, the, 
the main um, the jawhar the essence the yeah. essence yeah. Of, of of the events whether the Syrian presence whether the Hezbollah rise because you know part of it and I mean part of what we did in, in the party is understand why Hezbollah started I mean in order to be able to assess what could Hezbollah do today how to um, diagnose uh, its role as a part of a system or not as a you need to understand why Hezbollah started Hezbollah is not a thing it was a group of people who did something in a region for specific reasons and then it grew how did it manage to grow why um, who supported it who didn't uh, how did it come that today there's this dichotomy in how people perceive Hezbollah it's not something it's a it's a social um, order that came to exist for specific reasons and that functions or or moves or or um, affects the course of things in the country not as a thing as a social uh, phenomenon that uh, evolves that lives uh, the reconciliatory approach, which I think is built into citizens in a state, which I appreciate. There's only one group that has made it a built-in procedure to listen and learn and try to fully grasp what happened to one of the most important uh, groups in Lebanese history. I think that's a noble goal, and I think it's also perhaps deliberately sidelining exactly what Hezbollah is doing. It's not about a few or a hundred or even a thousand Lebanese defending Lebanon. That's my point. And Hezbollah right now, it's not the Hezbollah of the 1980s, the, course, w- the way you're course. describing yeah, it. Hezbollah is Iran's army in Lebanon. I don't think that's a comfortable conversation most October 17 members want to have. But I think that kills any system in Lebanon. That's, you know, it's almost like um, could a different system in Lebanon prevent that disorder? And I think citizens in the state would say yes. A different system would turn Hezbollah into something different. I don't think that's true in terms of what this country went through. I think Iran in Lebanon has absolutely nothing to do with our system. And I think that's the political catastrophe that we experienced that's my that's my uh, I'm trying to in a way what I th- you know what I'll say it, uh, before I get to Rayan, I'll say it one uh, almost in reverse uh, I appreciate the program and what it's trying to accomplish but I think the program is post disorder not during the disorder and the disorder I'm referring to is and I, I know we don't see it eye to eye is that this this weird governing structure we had in, from independence until the 1960s was something that was still functioning. It wasn't dead. Let, let me ask Rayan because I know you're the uh, you're the, the cautious one in the group. And I, like La, uh, <laughs> I might not have as mu- as much uh, like backup knowledge yeah. from history, but I would uh, I would. Look at it because I had this conversation with uh, a dear friend today, actually. 
be shouted because there was oh. no camera yet. Oh, really? <laughs> <It's> like <that. laughs> My boyfriend. You know, so it got it got really intense. You talked about this in your relationship. Yeah. <laughs> really? Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> I mean, uh, no, it's not terrible, but it's uh, it's uh, uh, it's fine. You can you can eventually just let it go. Can you in a relationship? No, I agree to disagree. Oh, that's t- yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I see who's wearing the pants in the relationship. <laughs> Who, who, who is he in handcuffs at the Kirsi right now? Like, no, no, don't worry. Why did you Hezbollah? No, no. It wasn't about Hezbollah. It was about no. this. Yeah. This. Uh, he. I think he sees things as you see them. Oh, that should, that's my next guest We should, guest we should call podcast. him on. Yes. And, and it is where I disagree as well. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and with my limited knowledge, I'm going to try to explain why I... Like, um, why do I disagree to this? Uh, first, I feel that we're always uh, seeing that this, correct me if I'm wrong, you're saying that at some point the system was functional. Is it about functionality that we're talking about here? It's, uh, I, I don't like the model that we live in. I don't okay. I actually, okay. I don't, we don't, we don't okay. either. That's so the 80%. That's right. no, no. But, I, but I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not absolutist in thinking that the model was born uh, to fail. So it's not a yearning for the the bad form of a governing structure that we had in the 1960s. It's that I think that model would have taken us to where we wanted it to mm. had that huge burden not been in the way. And it's a half-century burden that, that destroyed two generations in Lebanon. Okay, but Sana, I, I find a problem with that type of approach yeah. to societies and uh, as Petra I think I, I'm going to highlight some things Petra and Munir said maybe in different ways uh, first it's about the complexity the complexity that uh, exists when these as Petra was saying when, when certain things when societies change and when social order changes and social actors as, as well and how this previous system that was as you as you are saying that was let's say functional and or what's the word would you like to, that you would like to use like one word you know what Mm. The word that's not very nice to use, I know. Just uh, it, it could. It was reformable. Okay, it was reformable. Yeah, it was something that could have. I know. I know. I know. Munir's. So, I know. so, Anta, you're, so Anta, you're saying none of us were alive back then. Yes, exactly. Right? You weren't alive. <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah. No, no, none of us know what it was like pre-civil war. We don't know it. You, right? You're not born. But there, there's no, 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 certain. But, but we. But we. But we. One has to ask. It's important before our parents and grandparents die. Because they they don't talk a lot about it. Right. Those of us that still have people that experienced it in their families or the period before, they have to take advantage of it. Yeah. So, uh, uh, but I, I guess the mm, it's the the word sectarianism. The mm. way we live through it now is hell. It's hell. I don't think the 1960s version of it was going to take us here. Okay, but I think it it would. My opinion is. That system is inherent, inherently faulty. This was one of the uh, this was one of the trajectories that it could, based on the on the uh, on the events on the many complex events that happened. This yeah. is this was one of the trajectories that it could reach to, mm. and there could have been other trajectories that are less extreme, if you want, mm. or. Mm. And we wouldn't know. Like you need someone that um, has the knowledge and is like doing this as a, I don't know, as a project. But for me, I would say that 
and I think going back to the framing of the question, mm. like when we are when we are looking at the situation right now, would I go back and say uh, this could have been better if it went that way, or this is when I look at history, at society, and all these changing factors, this is where it got to now, and how would I? And stop this, as Munir said, in the future from becoming much, much worse, and then having go back to the past, which is now, and then re-questioning uh, what happened. There are two things I'd like to add on what you say. First of all, this is not planned. Mm. We have to realize mm. that none mm. of this mm. is planned. Yeah. Mm. And if I am to personally assign blame today in this society, I'm going to tell you who I assign blame to. I assign blame to everybody that considered himself elite, mm. that did not take responsibility at a certain point in time where they had to. Mm. Some of them are in my family. Mm. Some of them are relatives. Some of them we know. We talked about the Kata'ib. At a point in time, it reached a certain size and influence, and then it disappeared. The same will happen with Hezbollah. I'm going to give you an example also because of tying it to Iran. We have a comrade who spent quite a bit of time in France and gives us this example. He says, at the end of, the, of World War II in France, the Communist Party was the strongest party in France. Then the Russians, or the, so the, 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 the Soviets back then, the, the Americans, the Brits, sat in Yalta and decided to split the world into two. And the Communist Russia back then tells the Communist Party in France, which was associated to it the same way today you could mm. see Hezbollah being attached to the Iranian project, telling them, gents, we have agreed on this arrangement. What is more important, the revolution in the mother country or the revolution in France? And the Communists said, France back then. Oh no, the revolution in the mother country, of course. And then will come the time when, you know, we will have other battles. The Communist Party today in France represents 2%. About the same percentage as Sami Shmayil and the Kata'ib in Lebanon. I was not expecting that one. I was, like, <laughs> I was waiting okay. for <laughs> So, the, a party that was at the foundation of the establishment of a state or a system in Lebanon today yeah. is completely marginalized, not because of a plan, yeah. because of a series of wrong decisions that were taken yeah. by leaders that were, unfortunately, prisoners of a system. And I, in, I would suggest to you to invite Osama Magdisi on your podcast in order to discuss how communities came to existence around 150 and 60 years ago. So I know, I know Osama Mekdesi well. His brother, is I, I think of him as a friend, Karim, who still teaches at AUB. Um, I think the historiography is not incorrect. It's actually, these are researched, I mean, I've read Osama Mekdesi and I know him. I've listened to him even on Jad Ghusan not too long ago, a few months mm -hmm. ago. Um, I, I would argue that Osama Mekdesi, not him as a person, it's not individual, it's not personal here, is that there's this parallel story that to me does not resonate. It's the, there's all these things that happened, but the focus is going to be on this instead. And this course to me, which is primarily an economics path, and one that assumes 
more burden, I think, on things that were more consequential. That path to me is sidestepping what destroyed Lebanon. And Osama Mektesi is one person, I, I enjoy his reading, I think he's very persuasive on his earlier writings, especially on, he even wrote a book about AUB, or AU, uh, sectarianism and confessionalism in 19th century Ras Beirut stuff. Yes, all of that is true. Your reference to Paris is right. All of that is true, but Munir, yeah. uh, with all due respect, yes. all due respect. <laughs> I, 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 and I want to get back to Petra yeah. before, yeah. Uh, although I haven't given you enough time. <laughs> and I haven't given you enough time either. Um, I'm sorry, ladies. I'm no, no, it's, 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 <laughs> it's, uh, it's um, parallel politics that you're proposing, of, not you, the program is going to be a parallel institution to the disorder rather than it's not challenging true. the disorder. It's not true. Okay, so let, let, we'll yeah. pick up on that later. But and I think the transition, the, but you should talk about the transition yeah. because that's important. And we'll get into rupture too. At yeah. that, uh, we'll leave it to the last. But what but can you wh add? Yeah. Why, why, do you, why do you think so? Just because we're not weighing the role of Hezbollah in the system? Uh, what's the word? No, uh, un, no, misweighing? It's not, it's not English. Uh, the, the kilo scale? I get different numbers than you do. Mm. But we are agreeing on the distribution of responsibilities. I don't think Lebanon or any country could survive this situation. I don't think it's because we are Lebanese that we reached this point and Hezbollah is just attached to it. Okay. That, that's really the... F and it's not about Hezbollah. It's about all of these problems that have emerged in 50 years that have nothing to do with us. And I humbly disagree with one thing you said. The social anthropological story of why Lebanese fought in the 1980s, through the 90s even, is not, has nothing to do with addressing Hezbollah's concerns. Hezbollah's security for Iran. And I know that this group does not see itself as anything compared to the free patriotic movement. I know that. Actually, it's completely opposite to that, right? And there's, no, there's nothing that would match the free patriotic movement and citizens in a state together, even on the same... Uh, there's nothing that even puts them in the same room together. But I can see a situation where a group that doesn't have the means, let's say, to pursue politics ignores a chunk of the story, and that group is exactly the casualty of this disorder as well. And now you have a very ugly version of what was trying to scream and shout about it before, even to the point that they openly admit to it, that they even had a security pact with that group. I know you guys are not in that world. I know you're not going down that road. But I fear the, let's leave this for now and talk about other things and address other things. Why isn't Iran in the conversation? That's really my, my question. Why does it not come up the way it should? Petra. It, it is, as <laughs> is the Saudi Arabia, as is the U.S. But as that's is already applying Syria. these very false analogies. Saudi Arabia and Lebanon is not right now part of our catastrophe. Can I disagree? Why because not? I'm going to disagree. In the, the in Saudi the, in, Arabian role, the way I think you're describing it, this political leverage that they had, which is there still does not even begin to compare what Iran has established in this country. 
in in the early 90s the fact that they're I'm, both I'm, here i'm, I'm going to disagree sound. it's it's uh, in the early 90s sorry the amount of destruction the the, the economic system we ended up the crisis with a hundred billion dollars in yours. You know what hundred billion dollars is? It's all our production for two years destroyed. When you had a system in the early nineties where you could bring a billion dollars in this country and then after a year live with a billion and a hundred million dollars, mm. I am sorry, this is destruction. Mm. I am sorry, this is destruction. Yeah. When I push my people out of the country because I decide to destroy any economic possibility in this country for them to go and work abroad and then their children are foreigners and they live abroad and their production assets abroad. This is destruction. When I refuse to see that some people in this country studied and have acquired knowledge and work in, 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 in very prominent institutions, I continue to deal with them like male or female, the sect they are in, and the region or, or the district their grandfather, grand-grandfather was in 1932. I am sorry, this is destruction. We have led our country and people say, oh, Hezbollah and the money. I'm sorry, between 92 and 2005, $90 billion came into this country. Mm. From 2005 to 2018, $180 billion came into this country. There was the 2006 war, that there was the assassination that we faced in this country. There was the whole, this country was a mess. We had twice the amount of money in this country coming in than the period before, which led to losses. I mean, Petra and I did a research on this. The losses that accumulated in this country and led to this destruction is more than the destruction that Israel did to this country over the many aggressions. Any war that happened, anything that the Christians did. Uh, I hear again, we go again. The Syrians did. <laughs> I cannot, I cannot, I, ca I cannot be accused of anything because no. I belong to this group according to the 1932 census. Not oh. anymore. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm going to. <laughs> so, so. All, all of these Hello things. Hello, comrades and Nikifa. You see, he's directly put me because I'm from Tripoli. That's why. Me even. Well, because of troubles, I assume. I will go with something that's further down the street, closer. Go. Hey, that's a handshake. No, I, we'll, I'll yeah. tell you what. We'll do the economics analysis and we'll, we'll leave that to It's us. destruction. Uh, okay, uh, okay, it's not, it's not economic analysis. It's destruction. The economic destruction. We'll, yes. we'll, we'll go to there. But, Raya. Sorry, could you just maybe interject a few minutes into what was said? We'll, we'll get into this. What was said before about maybe it goes back to your argument with your boyfriend earlier today. <laughs> really, <laughs> like I like the way you were just you were describing it that you don't see eye to eye, and you don't see the and root cause, let's mm. say, of something that we lost fifty years ago, and that you you were in a way elaborating on the argument mm. you had. Uh. I can't remember where, what was my last thought, uh, but you were asking me uh, governable, reformable. So, uh, for me, uh, okay, let me uh, restructure my ideas. Uh, when approaching this topic, I feel uh, many things are coming, like are on the table. One of them is agency. Yeah, and the other is the system as a structure, maybe. Uh, and maybe Petra could take this conversation for, uh, forward because when she was talking, I I had these uh, ideas come in. Uh, also, as Munir was saying, uh, what is considered like I understand uh, 
force and violence mm. and uh, domination. What is, what is considered violence and force and domination and how does it manifest itself in different ways where mm. eventually the, the end game is there is no society, there is no state. Uh, so I feel when we're approaching this topic, it's very important to, I, w I don't want to say to have a bird's eye view, but to be able to, un to look at it from different perspectives and uh, understa understand all the context uh, that surround it in a way. So you, I would yeah. uh, no, please interject. No, so I I, but I, I like your more your slightly more diplomatic in your multiple sort of lenses. I think in looking at this huge problem. But as, as long as you have a, a a view and I have a view, there is a different approach to this. Mm. Allah, we can eventually uh, I can come and agree with you, or you can come and agree with me. Yeah. Uh, it is it is very important also to set to set the goals and to set the risk at hand. Uh, and the purpose why I'm looking back at history and what I'm trying to see, mm. I would say. Uh, I don't know the limitations of, of this as well. I'm just uh, thinking out loud with all of you guys to interject whenever you have a, like a, a supportive storyline to add. But uh, for me, it gets to a point where... This must have been the most civil argument with your boyfriend today. <laughs> no, it wasn't like that. It didn't, it didn't look like I'm this like, at I'm all. A, I'm agreeing with you, and I don't even know why <laughs> I was <laughs> arguing with you. It didn't, look like, it didn't look like this at all. It was more of like... It was much more aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> the reason I am being uh, extra pushy with you guys, I'll tell you the most sincere reason, is it's a fact post elections there is one party that will stay with us and be involved in Lebanese politics for the years to come so I'm trying to challenge you as much as I can because I think it's fair I think it's a it's a fair description of how this group is evolving as Lebanon's history moves forward so this is my rare opportunity to be not, not confrontational, but more just uh, getting to the bottom of certain issues. Um, I'm going to try to give more time to Petra and Rayan. I'm going to shut up. No, 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 that's <laughs> not my way of talking. No, 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 no. I don't want no, you to. I, no, no, I did, I, I did, I, I did quite a bit. It's fine. I'll, I'll leave it to, I'll yeah. be courteous. <laughs> For anyone listening and watching, it's because we took a break. We're all being a little nicer. In a few minutes, it's going to be, yeah. I, I, I had to go to the bathroom. I would have been nicer. <laughs> so that's the only reason you care about what you're doing? is because you have to go to the bathroom. That's awesome. You know, they should never let you go to the bathroom. You'll win. <laughs> That's what happens when you when yeah. you're roaming all day long in the, the streets of that's, Tripoli. That's true, actually. Yeah, the three of us relieve ourselves regularly. <laughs> is this staying on tape? Or of is course, this is staying. Yes. <laughs> you're gonna go to the bathroom in five minutes. <laughs> Get out of the picture yeah. altogether. So I will I will try to pick up where we were, and uh, Ryan, you asked something which I think is it offers a segue into why I'm a bit uh, stubborn when it comes to uh, re reform ambitions and how they did not pan out. And I like the way you approached it. You were asking me, is, is this a moral conviction more than a political one? And I don't think so. Um, I think 
it's more at trying to really, really understand why the deep frustrations all of us share, why they emerged the way they did. And it's more and trying to learn why reform failed before we get to rupture, why reform failed. I think that's where the intention comes from the most. Mm-hmm. It's learning at, uh, at, at pinpointing at things that failed along the way and trying to unpack them as much as possible. So that's where the, that's I think the debate in its essence is in that world. Um, but we're going to get into economics now. And uh, I am no expert on the financial uh, meltdown. I think I've learned a lot in the last four to five years as this became more, uh, everyone was talking about it. And some of these conversations are with uh, Mawatinun members. So prior to, prior to the port blast, actually, I think this is weeks before, I had two episodes with Muhammad Faour. And he's a, a mind that I respect. I think he's lecturing at AUB now. Mm. So, uh, and I learned a lot of ways at looking at the economic meltdown through voices like his. He's not the only voice. I will not say anything more than I know. I'll only try to offer a narrative and we can dissect this. I think everyone is comfortable at blaming uh, Riyad Salemi, Rafiq Hariri, uh, multiple finance ministers on the way, or even systemic policies or systemic problems that were backed by certain policies. I think there's now literature on this. There's books written on it. So I'll only say from my side, yes, bad decisions were made. And yes, there's no, uh, there are no, there are very few practical decisions that were aimed at the entire population that could have been done far differently and had a much fairer outcome. I think that's fair to say. I also think that problematic figures that emerge along the way, the reason their influence was bigger than it should have been, is again partly to do with the way Lebanon picked up from the Civil War and the considerations that made our politics pathetic. And that's mostly under Syrian occupation. So somebody like Rafi Hariri, who we talk about all the time, and he hasn't been with us for 17 years. I think most of the decisions that were taken under his jurisdiction and the economic portfolio that he had most leverage in in the 1990s, I think a lot of them were based on bad bets. I think a lot of them were based on imagined realities like Middle East peace Mm -hmm. that didn't happen. I also think that a lot of the bolder decisions that were taken back then, most Lebanese could not imagine the reality of our politics turning the way it did. And I don't think anyone really, really saw that someone like Rafiq Hariri in the last three or four years of his life would become somebody that would be increasingly vocal at the Syrian disorder and even pay the ultimate price for that. So I don't think of him as a one-sided creature. I think of him as a complicated politician who came about under Syrian occupation. And I think a lot of his economic decisions were not entirely accurate all the time. Some of them were too foolish at times. And we're paying a price for that too. So I think that's real. I also think that 
anyone in those circumstances, given the security considerations, would have been faced with the same dilemma. That's my point again, that anyone in those shoes, even if they have better intentions, would have faced the same wall that man faced. And I think that's why I appreciate Shab al-Nahas and at least his literature owning the Syrian disorder the way he does. And I think ignoring the politics from the economic fallout is not healthy. Now, let me go through this in a way that makes sense. We talk about the debt. We talk about the debt's burden. We talk about an impoverished society right now. Can you relate to the way I describe the Syrian rule into infecting anyone's role in Lebanon, including Rafi Hadidi? Or is it a more blanket policy that those decisions were bad, the Syrian rule has nothing to do with it, we can look at it as something that's, in a way, neutral to the Syrian occupation? And I'll start with you, Petra. Okay. Uh, again, I would like to change the framing of the question because, I mean, <laughs> when did the Syrian leave? 2005. Yeah. Okay. Why nothing has changed since then? Well, that goes back to my framing. He <laughs> might argue that a lot That's has my changed frame. since That's then. my frame. You, welcome to the frame. We <laughs> <laughs> will argue that a lot. Changed. Let me reframe your framing. Um, I think we, uh, again, rather than taking specific figures in the past 30 years and discussing their own, only, only their decisions, uh, I'd rather take a step back and look at the course of things uh, and uh, everything that had affected the situation. So it's true, Rafi Hariri came and uh, with his project had bets that didn't work out and um, I should also include Solidaire that's yeah, one of the biggest bets that didn't pan out definitely and it's not only about the reconstruction the physical sure. reconstruction yeah, yeah. of Beirut it's, it goes beyond that yeah. um, so it's true we can dissect the past 30 years in several phases mm. but looking at economic trends it, there was shifts and changes but the course of things was the same the system worked on luring in dollars from different sources that changed depending on the political situation mm. across. Mm. But it functioned the same way, luring dollars, uh, creating um, a bloated banking sector to support it, uh, destroying the economy uh, and making people leave the country uh, in parallel. and. Um, at, at the several instances that uh, bankruptcies uh, were close to happen, several people took bad bets like Rafi Hariri and didn't change the course, Work, still worked on luring more dollars. Uh, the latest was 2016 financial engineering until no one could do anything. But with your permission, I know, I know it's not, not a nice thing to do, but could we try to at least go back into the Syrian years? Because you mentioned 1997 as a starting point when we were talking earlier. Is it a simple that, I mean, is it that economics moves with or without Syrian influence? Is that the paradigm? I would say so, because the difference is that there was a... a how come? Government or government? Uh, really, it's uh, like, uh, like a, a bit. Um, 
a referee. Oh, oh. Yeah. It yeah. was like there was a referee and there were specific rules of the game and then the referee changed and the remaining players adapted. But the the course of things and the way the economic policies of the country were managed didn't really change. Okay, so there's a clear line here that Lebanon was functioning with or without that oversight and that the economic decisions were independent enough. Is that what I'm getting from you? Yeah. Okay, can, so can, can, yeah. I, can I suggest two yeah. videos of your good friend Jad Rassan? Jad Rassan did two videos. I'll try to find them. I know one is very prevalent, the, uh, is very available, the other one less. The, the first one shows the shift in the decisions of Rafi Hariri himself, mm. okay, mm. and where the influence actually came from. He was against getting. Uh, debt in dollars and then after a few weeks after there was economic interest in this country screaming in order to get to borrow in dollars because we didn't borrow dollars from outside we borrowed it right. from the inside yes. yeah. you see that there was an influence from the establishment mm. in Lebanon in order to force the decision in a certain way mm. another thing Another video which is very famous is the moment these two first billion dollars were adopted in parliament. You had people like Zahel Khatib, like Boutros Harib, like uh, Nasib Lahoud saying to Nabih Birri. This what? is the later one. No, no, right? this is the first one. Was the first, the first video. one? The oh, first oh. one. Yeah, yeah. No, no, this is the second with video. So, yes, yeah, yes, which right. is in the. It's a yeah, continuation. Yeah. Yes, the first yes. one is what led to the yeah, decision. I've seen this one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which led to the decision and the other one. Hmm. One could say, you could tell me this is about Syrian influence and I don't know what. This is Nabih Birri himself telling to everybody to shut up. And this is his decision. It's not even, and they tell him this is a decision that will Im impact the, 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 the society for years to come. And he said, I'm not doing this for public opinion. Mm. I am doing this for and against public opinion. And that's it. And we agree with it. Okay. You could say this is a Syrian influence. Mm. I say this is the responsibility of Nabih Birri himself. You could tell me mm. it was the decision of Rafi Hariri to change his mind from one decision to another regarding borrowing in dollars. Actually, when you see there was influence from people in the establishment that mm. were to benefit from such a decision. This is why for me, and you said it, you can't decouple politics from economics. Yeah. And <laughs> economics and finance can be as destructive, if not more destructive than war, if used badly. Mm. And this is what, and at the end of the day, these are individual decisions taken by individuals at certain points in time. And, and, and this is why I don't see it in the context of the Syrians, particularly because we know that the Syrians did not come alone. It was an agreement which was called all the time, that it was a common agreement between the Syrians and the Saudis with a split of responsibilities. And you, if you remember, the economics were the responsibilities of it was said back then of Hariri and then there was a defense and whatever that was the responsibility of Syria. So it was a split responsibility from their side. But then in, in the middle, the people playing, the people taking the decision in the imagined institution of the Lebanese Republic, including parliament, are mm. effective people. They took a choice. Nabi mm. Berri took a choice. I could say, you know, I could say, okay, Rafi Hariri took a choice and it was a bad one. And then it comes to Parliament, Nabih Berri does not take it. He, he made everything for it to pass in a more forceful way and less considerate way than what Hariri did. Mm. Because, mm. because he was hesitant. 
because it was not an easy choice. The other one came and confirmed the choice. Mm. Uh, he could say he's even more responsible in this thing. So this is why, and, and this is why we can go on and say, you know, it's the responsibilities and decide how many percentages we allocate. But the reality is when you have a system where we had $2 billion initially when we got off of the, the war in debt, and you have a system which, where you can bring a billion and take out one billion and four hundred thousand after a year because somebody promised you that the Lebanese pound was going to be back to the dollar. The, the impact is extremely destructive, dis, uh, four hundred million dollars in value. Sorry, in order to compare in dollar terms, while there are 30 years of difference, this is as much as engineers have put in their social fund over the entire history. You know what I, I mean, I think there's common cause here, yeah. and I think it's just a way of explaining it, maybe, that I see his influence, or people like him on the way, as they're absolved of responsibility because of that oversight that prevents good governance. And I think that's how I look at the Syrian years. Not in terms of Syria dictating policies all the time. That's, that didn't happen. And they obviously gave enough influence to certain actors at different times. That's true. But what and is I, their responsibility yeah, then? And, and I appreciate what you're saying here. So you're, you're able to see through the Syrian occupation and still say certain people should have done different. And that's it. Yeah. I think that's where the debate sometimes also gets into troubled waters. It's that I can't imagine better people emerging in that climate. And that's, I think, what my mind causes politics to fail as well. The few people that did try in those years, and some of them actually are names we already mentioned, mm -hmm. are either kicked out of politics altogether or they're killed. And I think of that as a continuation to where we are. Now, I'm going to take the conversation a little mm -hmm. differently. And I know I'd like to just get on economics a little more before we ended with rupture. Rayan Petra, since uh, Munir did promise to shut up. <laughs> what is your selling point when it comes to campaigning and the economic recovery that you've sort of articulated over the years? I think it's actually quite appealing at times. So if let's imagine I was a voter. I could start with you, Petra. I'm in Zahli. You want, you're, you're, for, you're persuading me to vote for you. How would you offer that narrative and where we are and how to get out? So typically we'd start off by <laughs> changing the question. <laughs> no, but I'm going to go into but the subject. I, I mean, think everything <laughs> I've asked you has been the wrong question. Munir answers it. <laughs> Ryan yeah, answers it too. Very diplomatically, but I like you. <laughs> Scott. <laughs> Actually, no, no. The very kind man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, but we spent some time setting expectations of what these elections would do mm. with the voters themselves. So we don't el end up on May 16 having a desperate society that says, oh, the civil society didn't win the elections. There's no hope in this country. Like, we know civil society won't win the elections. So we, we set the conditions, uh, the expectations from these elections and how we are approaching it. And then we do explain the program in, in a way that gives real hope to mm. people. And we don't separate economic from social and political uh, aspects of it. So we start by saying that if we want to turn this crisis into an opportunity, which is the title of most of our lists in Lebanon, uh, 
we need to keep society. We need to keep the people in the country first. And how we do that is through universal health care and free basic education, because this is what would keep people in this country, even if their wages lost their value, if they lost their funds, but at least their dignity would be preserved. And, and that's something you could see doing as a block in parliament, that you'd be able to raise this issue. Not necessarily, no. because oh, we know Nabih okay. Berre. So this is, is this more lobbying, in other words, from outside? Or how, how would that look like? Um, okay, so we're going to go back to this uh, idea sorry, of sorry, how no, we no. are... I, let, um, me, let me, I should ask you a better question so you don't throw it away. I'll, no, I'll, no, I'm not throwing gonna, it away. But... No, no, I'm going <laughs> to fix the question. All right. It'll make more sense to you. The program assumes that this system is rotten and failing. Exactly. And you have another program mm-hmm. that you're working with, and you're going to sell that program. Mm, not uh, sorry, you want a voter to believe in this program. Not as a voter, as a citizen. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I have to like go the extra step here. Um, when you're, hmm, there's a citizen in a state living in Zakli. <laughs> try, I'm going to try. And post-elections, you're in parliament. How, okay. how does that conversation evolve? Is it, are you in parliament as a roadblock? Are you civil disobedience? No, really, like, well, um, how does, it, how does your role function when the state has not uh, okay. changed? If I'm in parliament in May 16, I would be a delegate of the National Secular Council that you are trying to form okay. through these I elections. See. Yes. So, so it's not the state that we live in. It's the state you want to see replace it. Yeah, and reformed its uh, parliament. <laughs> right, and you're also, but you're also an MP at the same time. So yeah. how does that work in in your? Is it, are you going to even legislate? But we know that this parliament doesn't do any legislation. That's so, so maybe it's actually a more precise question. What does the, an MP from this group do if they win this round in parliament? Okay, we we we'd still. Um, understand how the current parliament of Nabi Hiberri works and if we're going to use it as future MPs it's going to be yet another uh, arena to confront the system. We are not fooled by any Mm. uh, potential uh, law or project that would be passed through Nabi Hiberri because what we are proposing Mm. is a complete change of how the power relations work in this country because universal health care is not only a moral project mm, mm. it is a project that would break the sectarian clientelistic uh, ties that Nabih Berre uh, and the other five leaders have binded the society with across the sectarian lines so universal health care or any other national economic plan is not going to be something you're pitching in parliament you're using your leverage in parliament to further rupture the state. Yeah. Did I get? I'm not. And I'm not trying to sound uh, condescending. I actually mm-hmm. like. I'm describing no, it. Yeah. Okay, Ryan. I know you're not running, but yeah. you were, and you were in a district that I think is talking about both things at once. What we talked about: economic suffering, financial disaster, and echoes of our earlier conversation about Hezbollah too. I'm assuming Nabati, Nabati is where all of this is, is discussed all the time. Can you maybe offer some perspective in trying to recommend the national 
secular council to a voter there, should you have been running? Or even when you're not running, you're still a member trying to persuade a citizen in a state. Uh, I'm learning. <laughs> okay, so in in, uh, in Jnub and in the Bati and specific. It's not the same country. <laughs> <laughs> but it gives you hope. Huh? It gives me Panadol Bade. I hope. Then Panadol. Sorry, Ryan, I interrupted. Where is he going? Where I didn't talk yet again. Although I promised it. That's it. So. Best girlfriend in the world. Man, if I were. Jesus Christ. On his birthday, Kevin. This is his birthday? Yesterday. Yesterday was his birthday. So he had his girlfriend. Menik the best girl. So okay. Uh, first in the body, I think I would. I, I can't represent all their demands or all what they say. Uh, but from having this interaction with people, mm. what really worries them is resistance more than Hezbollah. Not all of them, but at least the people I've interacted with. A common dom- dominator, common dominator, denominator, yeah. A common Good dominator. dominator. <laughs> he should have been doing for his birthday. <laughs> <laughs> That's a horrible slip. Okay. Uh, uh, resist. Uh, resist. Uh, uh, a common don- dom. Why I can't pronounce Den- it. No, denominator. 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 Denominator would be. Uh, them asking about resistance and when you go maybe somewhere else based on uh, they would be asking about as you were saying like uh, uh, they would they might have other concerns based on i don't want to say where they're located geographically what their sectarian leaders have uh, okay let me rephrase this yeah sure but uh, maybe okay. i should ask it in a better way you're trying to go with Petra's. Uh, yeah, like I mean, something very, very straightforward. Universal health care. You're mm-hmm. in Nabati, and the conversation takes you to places that are less what you're. What so you're, yeah, 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 yeah. I remember. Okay, so if I go back, I was saying that uh, in Nabati, <laughs> in specific, let's say, people ask about uh, resistance and resilience towards uh, against uh, the Israeli. I don't know the. Let's say it in that way, or Israel as it is, and uh, this this conversation is usually fruitful because eventually, mm. a civil state, uh, the legitimacy of a civil state stands facing, and this program stands facing the legitimacy of of uh, uh, what do they call themselves? Not a fasad uh, uh, apartheid? Um, apartheid. An apartheid state, <laughs> or even a state that uh, to be part of it, you need to be Jewish, and even within Jews themselves, uh, there is there is layers and structures based on what's your like. Are you European or are you so from? So this Asia? comes up in the voter. Con- no, no, this, no. This, I'm, I'm just giving this. Uh, this is where where we where the conversation can go to. Right. About yeah, yeah, yeah. Looking at. Uh, 
at resistance in a sense that it's not either restricted or not only restricted, but also it is not uh, a burden as well on one sect. Mm. Rather, that it is a, it is a, it becomes part of the state because this state cannot survive with a, like it should be everyone's concern. If I'm living in Lebanon, geographically there is Israel. If Anna, I'm, uh, I'm pitching a civil state that looks at citizens and looks at uh, 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 yeah. okay, uh, having a Zionist state near me that, uh, that looks at people also as sects, I would say, maybe, or as from a racial perspective, mm. comes into contradiction with this. So this is one of the things that we go into when we're talking. So it, it, it looks as at, res- at resistance from the perspective of a state from perspective of a, a... Oh, I see. So you're actually yeah. applying the language of resistance through the program. It's the program, apply, uh, the, the program when, when you know, it, it's not only applying, it's yeah. when it's reasoning, it's, uh, I'd like to say it in, in French, it's raison d'être, ça? That's the same in English. Ah, oh, really? <laughs> raison d'être, okay. Uh, uh, <laughs> it has to be. When it's doing this effort, it must look at the Israeli state in a way that can I coexist with the state near me? So and, and, yeah. and how would I transform it as a resistance that was. Uh, uh, it, it was mahsura, uh, it was. Uh, Limited, to, limited to a certain sect, regardless uh, regardless of how you feel towards your your sectarian uh, zaim. Mm. Okay, I'm telling them that this uh, program that I'm suggesting, uh, I'm carrying. I'm not suggesting. It's a program that I'm carrying. I'm coming here and explaining it for you, yeah. uh, or like explaining it further. Uh, looks at you as a citizen and looks at your act and doesn't just put you in a in a frame. Where you're, you're one, you're part of a sect. Right. So, the thing is, maybe if you go to Akkar, they're they're gonna have different questions based on their interactions there, mm. uh, based on their own uh, experience experience of living in Lebanon. But in, in these three different districts that are sharing the same program, do you hear mostly the economic burden? entering the conversation when you're trying to, at least when you're campaigning? Is that something that you hear first before, let's say, sectarian concerns or anxieties or whatever you want to call it? The older stuff that doesn't really... There, there, I think everyone, uh, you know, no one can say that we're not living in a... Uh, there is no economic uh, uh, collapse. Mm. No one can really say that. But even with this, this, yeah. is, uh, this might... You know, before going into that, there are certain concerns that... Um, People from different political backgrounds, or with different, slightly different experiences, uh, end up uh, asking about this. Is, the conversation is not limited to this. But Even this same yeah. question could be asked in a different way. But are, are, let's say the three of you, since it's different districts, are you as bold in describing your program the way you were here? Meaning that I like the way you said it, Petra. You're not in parliament to serve this system. You're doing this as an economic, I mean, your economics over, it transcends that. Are you able to, to make that your case when you're campaigning? Because I can imagine that's a hard way of describing your journey. 
Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, the reason why we have 15 lists in 15 districts is to specifically repeat the same discourse mm, mm, mm. from the north to the south. Oh, that's interesting. I never heard that before. That's why there's every single district is... Mm. Oh, okay. I see. Yeah. This is one country. This is one society. Mm. Uh, people have different um, um, leanings, but uh, the crisis is the same. Mm. And... Uh, this this made it actually easier for us to answer questions such as why didn't the opposition reunite? Because we're not right. worried by what we're gonna do as MPs if we win. Yeah, we know this is not the solution. This is not gonna change the system. Even this is not gonna lead to reforms. Let me wrap it up with a final topic, and uh, it's maybe something that is speculation. I have no. Uh, this is really just learning something this huge that you've taken upon yourselves, replacing an Ottoman, French, Lebanese, whatever you want to call it, uh, confessional, consociational, consensus-driven, power-sharing structure into something completely different. Post-elections, whether you do have MPs in this, I, I guess, illegitimate state? Okay. A legitimate MP in an illegitimate state? Is that non-state? Non non non-state? Non non okay, so I... Uh, that. Um, let's say a small number make it into this parliament. And you're not big enough or you're not sizable enough to see what you've started translate into more. Am I overstepping by asking that do you think of rupture as post-election sabotage? Is this... And I, I'm, I'm trying to find the right word to rupture. Not, not trying to make it... Um, I'm not judging. It's not no, that. No, no, no. Is it that you think of the state as your target so that anyone in this state becomes a target too? And, and I'll, I'll say... And I'm, not, um, I'm not saying it the right way. Let me, let me, let me, fi find, let me finesse my question. Opposition... Parties, I understand, are now considered part of the problem. They're not necessarily friends on the path forward. And I think I got that right, that, that they're as illegitimate as should they seek power as any other party in parliament. Their place there is still in an illegitimate parliament, period. I, I don't think we should put it in this black or white. Mm. Oh, okay. Okay. So it's not, uh, I guess what I'm asking is, let's say another October 17 inspired MP is actually working in the parliament. Is that part of the problem post-elections? Um, not really. I mean, okay. but the, the, the problem is over-expecting what this person can do. Oh, sorry, let me, I'm not, I need to nail it. If I understood well. I can try and answer it this way. Let uh, me, but let, let, me, me, let me be more, uh, rupture post-elections, what does that mean? Okay, no, it's not rupture post-election, it's rupture irrespective of whether there Sorry. is election or not. Sorry, post-elections, what is citizens in the state doing? What we were doing before elections. Okay, so, so that's good. So, so yeah. it's, elections are a situation in which we are in. It's something that mm. is organized by the power in place mm, mm. in order for them to renew their legitimacy. That's mm. what elections are for in Lebanon, in, the, in France, in the US, in Canada, in Sri Lanka, in Syria, in wherever. Then irrespective of the level of democracy of these elections. Mm. 
it's a tool to renew the legitimacy of the existing system. Mm. So whatever we were doing before, we will do after. They can decide tomorrow to stop the elections and mm. not go ahead mm. with them. We will continue with our program. Let's continue. If somebody, many of the people that are today running against us are coming and telling us, you guys were right. We did not see it the way you did. We entered into these coalitions which have no program and which are on a regional and sectarian basis, organized mm. this way. And we realized that that is not what we want to do. Some of these people might make it to parliament. Some of these people might not make it to parliament. But we will get together after the carnival is over on May 15th. We will get together. What we will get together. This means that we, some of these people, we will start organizing and working on whatever we were working before the elections were even on the plate. Mm. Okay, and this is organizing within this society social forces. The syndicate of engineers, the syndicate of lawyers, teachers, uh, army retirees, uh, doctors, doctors uh, school principals and administration. We are trying to organize these people with the popular legitimacy that we were able to get across all of Lebanon mm. okay, in order to continue building these forces that can impose a transition on the sectarian leaders. Can I be more blunt? Yes, without, obviously. I don't want to offend. That's, no, no, that's don't, why I'm you're afraid not offending. Of, don't okay. offend. You're not offending. So, you I've, I've asked yeah. similar questions to other uh, October 17 parties. Mm-hmm. And I think because there's a more visibility to your party right mm-hmm. now, and because it is the most well-structured heading into elections, mm-hmm. I sense that the disappointment is coming from the other groups, meaning that their numbers are going to be very small in the illegitimate parliament that you're running for as well. That they have a more disappointed, their mood is different. Meaning meaning that I think a lot of them will fade. I think some of them have probably already faded. And I think that that's, that's a reality that's impacting many parties. Citizens in a state is here to stay. I, I think that's a fact. But in terms of trying to confront and rupture what has now been very well explained, the illegitimate state the way you see it uh does that does that perhaps include moves that have not been done by this party meaning it could be what is what we saw in october 17 the demonstration like protest uh activism again on the street less the way we've been dealing with politics the last few months do you see a return to the street and a return to maybe not attack, but delegitimizing institutions further. The institutions you're talking about, I'm going to go back to what we started the discussion with. Uh, Stay with me. Closing parliament, for example, or or trying to... Closing decision is not in parliament. So power is not in parliament. Could could you then give me a flavor of what you see happening post... Um, um, But but let's go back to what we said. Post-elections, what is happening, irrespective of the number of MPs of Muatinun in the parliament, irrespective of pseudo-opposition, or irrespective of real opposition, irrespective of power people in parliament, what is going to happen is the continuation of what I have described, the liquidation of society in both its people and its assets. This is very important. What I'm saying 
Okay? You could say it's the responsibility of whoever you want, but this is what is going to continue. You have people that are that have taken their money out of the country that are going to come back and buy this country for cents on the dollar. This is the reality. And this is why for me, economics and finance are at the core of the political battle with that I need to better frame my question. No, 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 no. let me continue. Let no, no, me because I'm, I'm not I'm not framing you, you, it right. You, no, no, you, you are framing it right. I'm telling you what uh, now you interrupted me, so I can't. <laughs> I can't. You, 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 you interrupted me in the in the th in, in the train of thought. This is what is happening, irrespective of who is in parliament or not. We are confronting this situation. I'm not confronting the institution. I'm not confronting the parliament. There is no parliament in Lebanon for me to confront. I'm confronting the six sectarian leaders. Either I am able to organize a force big enough in this country in order to force them into a transition, the way we see it, or the liquidation of society is going to continue. In terms of numbers, just a, uh, just a small thing. In terms of popular legitimacy, the biggest country in this country, the biggest party in this country is Hezbollah. Its its popular legitimacy is 15% of the population, not more. Mm. If you take Amal, Mustaqbal, uh, mm, the, mm. the CPL, and and the weight, we're talking about between eight and eleven percent each. If mm. we're talking at Jumblat, we're talking less than five. If we're talking local leaders such as Sami Jmail, mm, uh, Najib mm. Miati, and and yeah. and uh, what's his name, Stamish Ranjiyi, we're talking about one yeah. percent to two percent. Yeah, yeah. This is what they represent. They are not they collectively or in each one in his district. They represent ninety percent, but across the country, the biggest one represents fifteen. That's what we're trying to organize. Out of every 20 people, imagine this, 20 people in front of you, you get three of them into the program, into the project, the project that we're building, you organize them, you're stronger than Hezbollah on the ground. And because these people are concerned and because their power is fading, not because of us, but because the basis of this, the structure the system is, is built on, which is the ability to attract dollars in order to maintain the system. This is why since Hezbollah is, power, is in power, we got twice the amount of dollars that we got over the third first 13 years of the system and this did not change it accelerated it's because he requires the same the same recipe as the system before in order to because sectarian communities are you have to see them like in the desert you know tribes in the desert what they don't build resources they find resources they consume resources Okay, and they redistribute resources. We, we operate the same way. We have to build a state which looks at resources and builds out of the resources, we have something better. So, what we, the, the, the situation we are in is try to organize the force strong enough in order to impose a transition because they are fading in power and their fading into power leads to the, to the leads to the, the to the elimination and the liquidation of society. If we are strong enough, we'll be able to break the path and go towards something new. Otherwise, the path we are in will continue. So I'm going to take what you said, Munir, and I'll start with Ryan. Forcing a transition to you, what does that look like? Is that a, is that a, is that, is that, I'm not going to use the word violence. I don't think you guys are violent. But I think using that language, it sounds severe. What is forcing a transition? I don't think we're forcing a transition. I think there's a transition happening. Things are, we are in a phase of transition. We're in a transitional phase. And what we're trying to do is to, uh, uh, what's the word, uh, influence uh, this transitional phase so we won't get to a point, as Munir said, 
where this society really is this does not really exist. But I'll I'll push one step further. Rupturing and forcing a transition, with or without elections, with or without the state the way it is, what does that actually look like? But, but rupture is happening. Mm. We're, it's we're not the source of the rupture. No, no, not rupture this, um, is happening. Okay, I I have to. I'm going to do my best here. Uh, there are parties ent- trying to enter parliament mm. to reform the state. Then there's a party that is campaigning to 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 transition the state. Mm. We're not calling it a state. This is why we're calling it a non-state. Words mean something to us. Um, when I'm calling it the sectarian non-state, I mean... The philosophy is important of this. The, philo- the political philosophy is extremely important because it can explain to you certain behavior in this country. How sects behave. Okay, Munir, Munir. Yeah. Rupturing yeah. is happening. The transition is happening with or without this group. Exactly. Okay, fine. Mm. Uh, you are an established force on the ground yes. campaigning. To give a direction, to force a direction. I'm going to take to the word. To force a different direction than the one of complete collapse of the okay, system. Okay, so then let me, I'll start with you, Ryan, and I'll give it to Petra. <laughs> uh, it's not going in your favor. I wouldn't say that. Sorry. Postal, it, no, no, um, I, I, I think I put a wall in my head. Uh, I'm, very, I'm a very annoying person. No, no, an IMF, <laughs> IMF deal happens, mm. okay? The state, or the non-state, is imposing itself in a way that does not suit the end goal that we all talked about, the philosophy of citizens in a state. You see a forced transition as necessary. If it's not happening, you want to be part of the force to transition. Uh, is that just continued protests? I mean, I'm, I'm trying to look at the post-election uh, environment for citizens in a state. These other groups are going to probably just try to run again or not succeed in, in politics in Lebanon. You guys have a different outlook on this country and an outlook in general. So what is that? Do you go back to the street, in other words? Uh, if you, I think um, I'll answer it. Uh, uh, I'll try to answer it uh, not from your last question, but uh, would you go back on the street? You said so. It's as Munir said and Petra. There is like confrontation battles, and there is but so when you're saying things are not going in our advantage, things are not going as Petra said in anyone's advantage. There is this but. Uh, it's not about us succeeding as a part, you know, as a as a as a political party or political organization. It's not about about us succeeding. It's about something that is, it's going to happen regardless of what, regardless of anything else. And me trying to change that trajectory. How do you change the trajectory? It's every it's in any place where you, when where you, guys, let me know if I'm expressing this properly. No, no, sorry, sorry. Is it like small local activism? Mm-mm. No, it's not that. Is it? Is it? Why? We can give an example yeah. of what we have done before. For example, as Munir said in, in the syndicates, where I where I look at the at the at the as Sulta is uh, the regime. The regime. Or the. So we're yeah. looking at how the regime functions mm. on and all, and when you see a part where you can, you can just. Uh, I think Sharbil explains it in a very nice way when he says he, we're taking a, a position of attack all the time. Rather, we're not. We're not just defending. Mm. We're, we're, you're always attacking and finding these confrontation battles where you can insert, your, where you can show uh, or el- eliminate these contradictions and change and change the not the behavior, but 
try to unlock uh, people's, uh, uh, unlock this, uh, uh, I would say, irtibat, uh, uh, this relationship, Kevin Petra explained that before, between the citizens, that they, they're not aware that they're citizens and they have certain, uh, they have rights, but they regard themselves as part of a sect. Is it safe to say that there will not be the kind of post-October 17 uh, demonstrations happening again from this group? Is that, is that a fair bet? That, that, in other words, the, pro, the, the, the street will not take you further. You're going to be operating in a, in a different way, and you're going to be ta- you're, going, you're attached to a transition that's already happening, and you're forcing it further. The, 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 the protest in the street is is only a tool to support the confrontation. And looking at what society will be facing in the yeah. coming month, it's going to be hard to, to, to see millions of people going down the streets. I mean, the conditions of, of survival in the country are, are becoming really dire. So, Petra, so, could I ask you then? You're, you just, I mean, you spent a long time persuading or trying to persuade or I don't know what you're doing it's uh, the way you talk is quite uh, appealing um, that this is an illegitimate state that you're running for <laughs> what is the point of running for elections if you have such a sour view of this thing sour okay <laughs> <laughs> no really why, why? I'm a bitter person no no but why, no, why, why not just simply boycott or not take part and okay. become part of the transition without, with or without elections Considering the state of things today in the country, we do admit that we did not expect that the elections would happen. Mm. Uh, we still fear that they might be mm. cancelled. So knowing that... Well, there's no way this episode is getting cancelled. going to publish anyway. That's going to happen with or without. Yeah. <laughs> so as a political party who's been developing a program to come out of this crisis for years and following the indicators and talking to people, participating or not in the elections uh, took debates, uh, internal debates in the party to whether decide to boycott or not. Boycotting would not... Uh, raise the chances of uh, the support of the program we are working on. I see. So we are using these elections to uh, shift the way politics is being discussed in this country. So imagine today there is no Muatinun in the elections. Mm. People Mm. would be lost in the slogans you were talking Mm. about. I see. So you're using this as a way of promoting. Not promoting, but transforming politics into what it should be. No, no, but the way you said it appealed to me that you see this as an avenue to share your program further. And people are willing to listen. And, I see, and, I see. And, but, but, there is a, but there is an additional direction, dimension to this. We are measuring the popular legitimacy of the alternative oh. view of the program we are offering. So can I ask you then, yeah. uh, let's say across the country, you do get a sizable number of votes, but no one actually becomes mm. an MP. Is that a success in your mind in terms Definitely. of... Absolutely, okay. but this is, why, this is why I gave you the weights of these parties and what we're trying to do, and we would have been able to do it better if some of those who consider ourselves as partners were effectively our partners in this. We would have been able to give the alternative program more legitimacy. and. 
what you said about demonstrations i want to i want to remind everybody because people some people seem to forget nobody got people to go to take the streets on october 17th yeah people decided yeah. on themselves because they were concerned to do it what what we could do is if we are able to get four or five thousand engineer families to take to the streets to force you know getting back the value of their uh, of their social fund Yes, this is a demonstration which has a purpose. This mm. is a demonstration which goes into a direction. And if it's not mm. limited for them to recuperate a right they lost, but it's also to get rights for society, then it's even more powerful because the first time it will be engineers and we have organized this, and the second time it will be, it will be other parts of society. Yeah, and but National Secular Council with mm-hmm. thousands of Lebanese that voted for it, yeah. is that an, a regime in exile in Lebanon? I'm trying to think, really, and I'm, I, I will not go further on this, what the structure looks like with the path you've set forward and the reality that's happening. Will you, will you have delegates for your national secular council? Will you have a government that you think of as the rightful government? What does it really look like on the ground? Mm-hmm. Think of it as an institution, institutionalized opposition body that if it gathers the popular weight or legitimacy in these elections, it will be seen as a legitimate interlocutor with the IMF, with the syndicates, with the bank oh, owners, oh. with so the, the Zionists. So you could potentially be the largest group in Lebanon in terms of numbers. I, I mean, I'm just speculating here. And, and you this could is be, what we would have liked to be with other people, which we know have good intentions for this country mm. and the fact that they are running on sectarian basis in small s- <laughs> that <laughs> to do one more <laughs> okay. Okay. don't worry we're, we're almost done don't yeah. worry don't worry i think i asked everything i wanted to um i think i learned a lot by what you have to say um i think it's safe to say and munir you mentioned this when we were talking off the record uh, not while recording there may not be a common denominator when it comes to reality. Maybe that's the bridge that has to be crossed. I don't know if I can come to terms with everything I heard tonight. But I think you've definitely established yourselves as a visible alternative. That I think is permanent. Um, I'll say something else. This is what resonates with me the most. Um, Even though we don't see eye to eye on the system's defects, Maybe we don't even see eye to eye on sectarianism and what it means. But the fact is, this group is defying inertia and gravity. And you're all over the country. Your confession never comes up, which I really like. Or it comes up when you're doing Freudian slips, Munir. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's, a, it's an attractive way of, I think, taking what could be an imagined dream and making it real um, we should do another episode down the road when things pass because I think as time passes I learn more about this group and I think maybe maybe I'm not overstepping maybe over time there could be some reconciliation on why this is still a divisive journey for Lebanese and why not more Lebanese are willing to go down the road you've gone down Maybe that's just how debates happen. And I think of these as intellectual exercises. So, it's a record. 
three hours. Shabbat uh, Nahas is number two. <laughs> don't know if that's an accident. But you guys were three guests in total. Good luck with these illegitimate non-state elections. <laughs> don't know if that's the right way to say it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, good luck with the program, the way you see it. And good luck with reimagining a Lebanon that I think all of us want to see down the road improve. And we want a governing country. Maybe not agreeing on the model itself, but we want a governing country. We want something that functions. So that's my way of saying thank you, Munir, Petra, Rayan. We're done. <laughs> thank you, Thank Ronnie. you, Ronnie. <laughs> thank you. Thanks for listening and watching. And a friendly reminder to support this podcast by contributing through Patreon or PayPal. All links are in the details box. Until next time, I'm Rani Shatah, and this is the Beirut Banyan. <laughs>